This episode of Sports Goose is brought to you by Podcorn. We've been using Podcorn for a few months now, and what we enjoy most is the large amount of potential sponsors they offer and the easy user interface that allows us to pitch our proposals and collaborate to meet the sponsor's expectations. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting its podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up on any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. Click the link in our show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. Thank you, Podcorn. And now, let's get to the goofs. What's up, everybody? Sports Goofs here. Francisco here with my good buddies Andrew and Charles. Number 97. How are you guys doing? Charles, how are you? This is our Hit Me Baby One More Time episode. Uh, I guess. 1998. Yeah. It's a battle of the boy bands here, that's for sure. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, 97. And this episode is once more sponsored by Podcorn for all of your your sponsorship needs you guys are looking to be sponsored out there for your own podcasts or you're looking to sponsor a podcast for yourself head on over to podcorn plenty of people plenty of opportunities and we thank podcorn for sponsoring us this episode all right so sports happened everybody sports happened over the last week i watched some games not many over the last week, uh, just my teams. I saw two Miami Heat games, the Heat versus the Magic, one and two, the Heat versus the Bulls, and one game of my beloved first place Florida Panthers versus the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the revival of Sergei Bobrovsky. Hearing my... Yeah, where the hell did he come from? He probably heard my... I called him Wei Yin Chen, and that probably really, really hurt his feelings. <laughs> so he has uh, he has responded in kind by being like the best goalie over the last month. Oh yeah, this basically this month of March in the NHL. He's six and zero over the last six games. The Panthers are on a roll. It doesn't even matter if they go down like a, a point or two during a game. It's just like they come back. I, I've told you, and I told Charles this, and I, I, Andrew, this, this, I, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable with a very good Florida Panthers team because I'm not used to it. <laughs> They've only made the playoffs twice since I've been a, a fan, and 2016 was awesome. Uh, it really, really was. But this team feels different than 2016. So it feels a lot more complete. And Barkov is playing at. Selk levels at the very least, maybe MVP. 
Jonathan Hooper the same thing. Aaron Eckblad might win the Norris if he keeps playing like this. Like this is this is happening, guys. And I don't know what to what to make of it other than I'm happy. I'm I'm optimistic. At the same time, like you know, PTSD from from all of the all the times they hurt me in the past, and that's hard to let go. That's hard to let go for for some of your teams. I'm sure some of you guys know about that. About rooting for for a team that. It hurts you a lot, but gosh darn it, you keep coming back to them. So what's changed about them? Just not to kind of dive in deep, but remember, I'm the uneducated. All right, Andrew. You, it seems like a lot of the same players. You you want to jump in with this, Andrew, with some hockey talk? Sure. Yeah, let's let's well, do it. You haven't been on in a while. I, I think part of it has to do with, well, kind of to your point, it's a lot of the same players, and I think over time, as guys kind of meld together, get used to each other, they tend to play more as a team. So I think that's part of it. Big part of it is that Bobrovsky is actually playing well. <laughs> even even if he isn't, he's getting enough offensive support to mitigate any issues. Yeah, like the past couple of games, I've seen him give up four, three, four, five goals, but the Panthers are somehow able to eke out one more than they need to. It kind of reminds me of something that Grant Fuhrer, uh, for those who don't know, Grant Fuhrer was a iconic, famous goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers back in the '80s. He always said. I'm not going to, I'm kind of paraphrasing. He said, I'm not giving up any goals in the third. Just make sure you get one more than what I've let in. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of how Bobrovsky has been. He's, he can be a sieve at times, but he's able to keep enough out and the offense is able to put enough in that they keep winning. Yeah. Um, I mean, luckily the Panthers have a, pretty weak division this year uh, it's slightly more top heavy than it is the, uh, there's oh, oh wait first off say let's say, say hello to king retro gaming how, how you doing my my dude out there aloha yeah yo we love retro gaming that is for sure and uh do, do you love sports most of what we do is retro gaming. <laughs> yeah i just beat fire and ice on the nes yesterday so that was that was my accomplishment yesterday but but yeah, yeah. To your point, Andrew. Yeah, it's been more top heavy. I mean, it's a. It looked like a really tough division when it started out because you had, of course, the defending Stanley Cup champions in Tampa, defending Western Conference champion in Dallas. You had Carolina, who's made the playoffs the last couple seasons and have been pretty good. Nashville Predators, the same thing, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. And from there, it was like the Panthers have always been kind of average to mediocre, and it's like, oh, this is this is gonna be pretty tough for them to make the playoffs. More importantly, you've got Chicago and Detroit. Rebuilding Detroit and Chicago, the surprise of the season so far in the, in the division. They're they're playing above yeah. what people expected them. Yeah, exactly. And the Dallas Stars are the disappointment of the division because look, when you when we had Johnny on our show like 3 or 4 episodes ago. Check him out. Cats and Stats on on the twits so he we talked about the stars and it seemed like okay because the stars had so many stoppages due to the virus right that 
it's like, oh, these guys just can't get anything going. Well, there haven't been any stoppages, and they still can't get anything going. So I mean, they're they're I... they're plus five in goal differential, so it's just they're 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 five hundred team. They're just kind of in the middle. Basically, what that means is they're winning a lot of close games and losing a lot of blowouts. They have okay. This is the this is probably the shine the silver lining for them. They have. Get this: six games in hand on the Chicago Blackhawks, wow. who have, okay. have the who have the four spot, and are up nine points on on the Stars. So it's not like the Stars can't get on a not even a hot streak, probably like just like a semi hot streak, like when six out of ten or something, and probably be back in this. So it's not like it's completely gone away from them. And you know, luckily for the Stars, they have Anton Kudobin. He's been he he's been one of the low lights so far this season, to be honest. But when when he's good, when he's on fire, he's en fuego. Yeah, well, he he is not he is not playing his age. He is thirty four, going to be thirty five in about a month or so, a month and a half. He is not playing his age. When he's on his game, he'll stop anything. Uh, his... uh, we were lucky as hell that we were able to beat uh, beat him uh, just enough in the Stanley Cup last year. But to wrap back around to kind of the second point uh, about why the Panthers are doing so well, I think credit must be given to Joe Quenville. Yeah, I mean... Aside from... The one thing that really stands out was that boneheaded. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah the the challenge. So what happened was, I think it was against the Blue Jackets mm, uh, or Nashville. Something. I think it was Nashville. It was Nashville. Like a month or two ago, there was a not that close call. It it was um, yeah an offsides challenge. It was an offside challenge and. I mean, maybe from in real time it was close, but if you had a if you have a person watching the monitor, which I think they do, yeah, they probably have they have like an iPad or something or something. There was like no chance in hell that that was going to be overturned. The biggest uh, thing, it was it was the wrong thing to do given the momentum of the game. And here's here's the other thing though. So if you challenge a play. If, Charles, if you challenge a play in the NHL and you lose the challenge, you're given a two-minute minor for delay of game. So the other team gets a power play. So what was that? Mm. Yeah, it it was because at first the 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 replay were... rule was introduced, and uh, most of the time the coaches would do it just for offsides calls, and it was yeah. for a lot for. I guess the the old heads of the NHL. For a lot of them, it was slowing the game down too much. So, as a way to kind of decentivize coaches from doing that, they added a penalty to it, where if you lose on it, you lose not only your timeout, which was the original rule, but then they added that you also are placed a minor penalty. So it's kind of like Mario Party One, where if you lose a mini game, you lose ten coins. You know, so it, it, got, it got really tough. The thing about timeouts in hockey, even though you get one, in reality, ninety-five percent of the time, 
it's never used. It just goes to waste. It's not like football. In reality, the only time a team would really use it is if you're down one or two goals. You're going to be taking a face-off in the offensive zone, and you're going to get the opportunity to pull your goalie. Mm -hmm. So it just gives you a little bit of time yeah. to strategize. Yeah. To figure out... Rarely okay, are timeouts used to actually give the guys a break unless you've been stuck in your own zone for, like, ever. And right. you can't get out, and you just these, and if you know, throw it out for an icing, the guys have to stay on the ice anyways. So you're just trying to give the guys a breather, but, but most of the time it's the, the scenario Andrew's talking about. So they're like never, they're timeouts but, never used. So that's why it was kind of a. But yeah, that game was awful because it was the momentum of the game because the Panthers were playing awful, but Broski was in net, and he wasn't stopping anything. And it was like, why would you put the guys? Why would in such an iffy call that you would put the guys in that position? And of course, they gave up the game tying goal when it's overtime. Then they lost in overtime. So oh, right. it was back up really quick. So a goal was scored on the play that was challenged. Yeah, from, on the ensuing power play, three to five four. But and the challenge was called. So it remained 5-4 because it was not reversed. On the power play, they score the game-tying goal, take it to overtime, and they lose in the shootout. That was probably the worst loss of the first month of the season. But since then, the, the Panthers were playing pretty consistently since then. And of course, the revelation now is that Bobrovsky is actually playing up to his contract, more or less, for, for the most part. He's playing enough. He's playing well enough. For, for them to justify for starting him over and over again over Chris Drager. And another thing I want to, because one of the questions from Charles was, what's the difference now compared to last season? And a lot of that, you can also give credit to our brand new general manager, Barry Zito, because he comes in and brings in guys that are contributing to this. Carter Verhage from Tampa Bay. Right. Uh, he was signed as a free agent. He was, he wasn't gonna flourish in Tampa because the Lightning just have so many other stars in front well, of I, him. From what I saw in our our playoff run last year, I knew that he was gonna be something special, which is why I was bummed, but understood why we let him go in free agency. There just wasn't enough room for him. But he he is proving my my predictions correct. Indeed. So Verhage. A big one. He's been one of our, our top scorers. So that was good. Another one was the just humongous, especially in retrospect, trade of Mike Matheson for Patrick Hornquist from, uh, from Pittsburgh. Because Mike Matheson was worse than a traffic cone. <laughs> and I say worse than a traffic cone as a defenseman. Because at the very least, a traffic cone is not going to willingly cough up the puck to the other team. <laughs> at least the traffic cone can at least sit there and not do anything. Whereas Matheson would make such boneheaded plays that it was like, oh my, it'd be, yeah, I would rather a traffic cone. Or at the very least, it's kind of there, it's sitting in front of you, and you know, you kind of have to go around it. But yeah, no, Matheson would just let people 
go on by or you cough up the puck and just make some boneheaded decisions. So they trade for Patrick Hornquist. Hornquist, who is an older player now and is uh, about to hit his mid-30s, I believe, and or is in his mid-30s. He contributed to the Penguins' recent back-to-back Stanley Cups. And the Penguins are retooling, kind of rechange their makeup, their team. And they're like, okay, well, Corn Quest isn't fitting here anymore. So they swapped him for Matheson. <laughs> Panthers won this trade for sure because I don't think Matheson's even playing. He's probably on the taxi squad or whatever for the Penguins. And Hornquist has not only brought the offense, but he's brought an attitude, some swagger to the Florida Panthers. The Panthers team, they are different with that man on the ice. There is some swagger. He tells guys to shoot the effing puck instead of passing it all the time. Like, I think one of Barkov's recent goals in in the last couple games, you could audibly hear Hornquist say, Shoot the puck! (laughs) Which is what all the fans say to Barkov. But finally, someone had the gall to go up to freaking Barkov and be like, Just shoot the puck. You're like the most talented guy on the ice. You should try and shoot more. And lo and behold, Barkov's numbers are going up. And Hornquist is the only guy over the last, I don't know how many years that the Panthers have, have had all of these forwards coming in that is willing to go up to the front of the net and get down and dirty and try and get some of those 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 grindy goals, those get in the muck right there in front of the net. And Andrew, you know what I'm talking about, right? I just went off into a stream of consciousness, but Freddie's here. Freddie knows what I'm talking about. We we learned a little bit. I mean, it it seems to me that the Panthers are just kind of playing to expectations of the talent they have. Uh, For a lot of people, it's it's above expectations, to be honest. But yeah, the Panthers are playing above expectations for some people because they were expecting an okay team, like normal, but they're playing better. And the guys that we drafted high in the past few years and the big three that Barkov, Huberto, and Ekblad are playing like legit stars that are, can rival those of other teams. That's that's what's going down. That's what's happening. But yeah, the attitude adjustment, they get into secondary scoring from Frank Vetrano as well. He was a great pickup from Boston a few years ago. Dale Talon made some good picks and some good trades, but he made a lot of bad signings too. And Barry Zito was able to come in and and supplement and get rid of really the the worst dead weight of the team, which was Mike Matheson and his contract. So I'm happy being at the top of the heap for now. For now. It's a tough division with because remember Johnny also was like he thought the Carolina Hurricanes were the best team in the division, if not in the whole league. And the Hurricanes are also playing pretty damn well. They're, they've got a higher points percentage than the Panthers. The Panthers just have one more point than them. And this is a three-team race at the moment. Florida, Tampa Bay, and Carolina. Although so I will say that the past couple of games, the Lightning are giving me some pause. And bear in mind, I'm not able to catch every game. So, mm-hmm. you know, it could just be luck quote-unquote or bad luck if you will when catching these games but they seem to be a bit lethargic to 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 kind of describe it Hmm. they're giving up a lot of turnovers they're they're not playing as sharp as i'm used to so i'm hoping that that's just a 
a little trend or something, a little like mini blip or something. I don't want that to be continuing because that that would be a death knell. Uh, I don't think that's. I, I think it's more just. I mean, there's still remember they played a lot of games over the I last know. few years and in such a short turnaround. So, you know, the Stanley Cup and everything, and it's not like. I don't think they will fall so far where it's like okay they're they're literally hanging on by a thread in the fourth seat over like the Chicago Blackhawks or the Dallas Stars. That's not going to happen. It's just one of those just doldrums of the of the season. Also, remember because of the work stoppages, well not work right. stoppages, sorry, the the Varus stoppages, they've truncated the schedule. So, they're playing a lot more back-to-backs, things like that. So, Guys are getting tired. Guys are getting tired, and, and maybe maybe John Cooper may, probably might want to utilize the taxi squad a lot more, give some guys some rest. That That's also that going to be playing into these final months of the season because teams are guys are going to get tired, and some teams are just going to have to swap some guys out that are waiting on the taxi squad and give them, at the very least, a game of rest where normally they they would normally have a game of rest, but they're playing back-to-backs because the schedule calls for it now. So there's that. While we're on hockey, I do want to take a moment here to discuss a a very sad moment that happened this week. A 19-year-old junior hockey player in Russia, Timur Faitsudinov, unfortunately passed away uh, (laughs) this today. Um, he was hit in the head with a puck. Oh, yikes. Um, this, this is honestly the first time in a long time I can remember a player being killed on ice. What happened was, and I'm by no means a medical expert, so I'm just going by what I've seen. He was hit in the head around the what's called the temporal bone, which is basically the like right near the cheekbone. Uh, above the cheekbone, like directly uh, uh, directly parallel to the eye. So that was fractured, and also he had a damaged carotid artery. And unfortunately that led to a brain hemorrhage, and unfortunately, despite incubation and other life-saving measures, he was not able to survive. It's your temple. Yeah. So it brings up a point that I... I had kind of just been playing around with myself, which in the newer NHL hockey games, they they give you the ability to wear the a, full cage a, and a full cage, what they call a college cage, uh, a full glass or a full face mask, which people derisively call a fishbowl, or a half cage, half visor. And I know recently, within like the last decade, the NHL now requires all players to wear at minimum a face shield. I think we're down to like a dozen or so players who are grandfathered in so they don't have to wear one, one of whom is Dano Chara. Uh, I think Not like anybody can reach up there anyways. Uh, I think Joe Thornton <laughs> is another. Um, Another big guy that can, who can, <laughs> not so anybody can reach up there, anyways. Very, very rare to see one these days, but his beard will I, stop it. I think the NHL needs to go further. 
I think they're. I think they need to put a full shield or a full cage on these players. And there is certainly precedent in every single level of hockey. Juniors, Olympic or not Olympics, but junior hockey, Pee Wee, squirt all the way down to the kids, college. And then all the way to the pro level for women's hockey, everyone is required to wear a full cage or a full. Uh, when I say cage, I'm I'm lumping a facial, a full face shield in, but uh, I'm just trying to go for efficiency and speed here. This it it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Mike Coolbaugh incident back in 2006, which now. He was the first base coach for the Tulsa Drillers who was struck in his head and died from a foul ball. And now base coaches are required to wear helmets. Which I think is too little because it's not even cover. It covers it's, basically nothing. It's like like when John Olerud was playing. Right. He, he would wear yeah, a, yeah. a helmet, but just like a, not a full helmet, but he just a helmet. Right. It's like a catcher's, catcher's helmet, but facing forward. Right. But look at just going around sports in general. You know, Football. guys are starting to wear those extended ear flaps for mm-hmm. baseball, which has proven to be extremely effective. You know what will change it? The NHL needs to get way more marketable with its players. Because you know why? That means people are going to want to see the faces of these players. Right. And, and the, the players... Thing. They want to look good. And if you want to look good, yeah, cover up the whole face. Uh, right, that's and here's the, the other thing. But right? then, of course, other players will be like, oh, you want to be a pretty boy or whatever. Whatever, who cares? Right, here's, here's the it's other It's the moneymaker right here if you've got the face. <laughs> but here's the other thing, though. The other thing is, and well, first off, it wasn't that hard of a shot. It was a dump-in attempt from center ice. And he, it hit him in the right place. And I'm not saying, but it was unlucky. But there are so many people that were not lucky and somehow survived. Guys breaking cheekbones. And I'm not even getting started into... What was that player for Florida who got his neck sliced open? Was it? No, not Rostislav Olesh. It was Richard Zenick. Thank you. I don't know if that would have a hundred percent. If a mm, no, not because that would have to cover his neck. Right. No, that's but that's also, not good. You, you see things like I think Taylor Hall got. Cut the, Taylor skin. Hall is the reason why we have the visor rule. Right. He's the reason for it that. Doesn't do shit. It really it it covers the bare minimum, but. Your nose is exposed, your cheeks are exposed, your mouth is exposed. It's it's doing not nearly enough, considering, I mean... I think eventually, uh, it's... it's. I think you're trying to have a preemptive thing right now, which is before the worst happens, like what happened in... Uh, this was the junior team of Dynamo St. Petersburg's. Right, but before that reaches up to a higher level, but knowing the NHL, they'll only do something when something happens. So somebody's gonna hit in the face. I mean, people get hit in the face with pucks all the time, but 
it'll be it'll be a, a superstar. Let's say Connor McDavid. Let's just put Connor McDavid because that's probably like the only person that or Austin Matthews, someone in Toronto. Or, or Marner, maybe Marner. One of those two guys. Somebody, either Edmonton or Toronto, is going to get hit in the face, and he won't be able to play for some time because of his recovery from the jaw or whatever. And then from there on, like, we have to protect Austin Matthews' really weird mustache. So maybe that'll be the the emphasis for for doing so. It's just it's so stupid. Cause... He's half Mexican. That's why his mustache kind of looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would happen? Here's another example. In an NHL setting, uh, at the very least. Steven Stamkos. Sombrero and a poncho? Maybe he looks good. In Arizona, next to a cacti. Let me talk! <laughs> Sorry. I'm just thinking of Austin Matthews. His mustache. <laughs> Our new non sponsor is Austin Matthews' mustache. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Steven Stamkos <laughs> broke his leg on a goal post when he was sliding in as a result they made them a bit easier to dislodge the nhl is too reactionary and it's it's not good they it's bound to happen again sounds like the nhl i know and love (laughs) and i i i hope that somehow the powers that be are able to hear our little podcast or if I can tweet this out to the world and someone gets wind of it do it now before someone gets seriously hurt or killed well someone has already been seriously injured and killed don't let it happen again this kid was 19 he if he was American he would have just been out of high school playing for whoever uh, it's it's a tragedy that someone that young who had a promising career was cut short by something that could have that was preventable. We have the technology to stop that from happening, hmm. but they either by peer pressure. I mean, people call them fishbowls for God's sake. It's 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 a term of derision. Well, that's that's part of the. Let's see. So BU's got a comment here. The issue stems in part from the fact that a lot of players hate the full face shields. That is also, yeah. In my experience, the complaints are overblown, but the players' union is known to refuse to budge on the most minor shit. And that is also true. When uh, Crosby wore the full face shield as well, and not only players, but fans too, you know, those fans, see it as... it. it it's part of the, the macho, machismo culture of the NHL sometimes too. Where at first wearing the helmet was kind of like, oh, you know, you're not manly enough. And then having the visor, oh, you're not manly enough. And I guess having the full clear fishbowl cage is, oh, you're not manly enough. Where it's like, I always thought of it like if I was, if it was me, like if I had become an NHL player and a good one at that, one that could be marketable, I'd be doing all I can to protect my face. Right. Because... Especially nowadays in the days of social media and all that stuff. And it's all about the brand. You want to protect the brand. And that's part of the, like, the, the marketability like in the NFL. 
or not, no, sorry, not the NFL. Well, actually, some NFL too. And the NBA, like people see your That's face. Like the NBA, for sure. Yeah. Because the NFL, it, unless it's Brady getting the modeling gigs, yeah. you know, Peyton Manning is not going to be on the cover of. Um, yeah, guys, guys are wearing helmets, and people are, they don't really associate or they don't really tie into the personalities and things like that. Well, the NHL kind of sort of has the same thing, where a lot of players aren't that marketable. Only a few of them actually have personalities that are noticeable and that's there's 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 some issues there and it's on both sides it's it's on both sides actually three sides it's on fan culture players culture and the league culture or the 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 front office the executives the the money makers or the money the the guys who sign the checks or make the rules that that's also part of it too so bu's comments are correct players kind of see it as a sign of weakness sometimes too and that's what makes me frustrated you know, it's like baseball and their unwritten rules too, and and that. But it requires a change. I would say the players. There, there has to be a player that's willing to do it. I, like I if Connor McDavid had, if Connor McDavid was like, he's not the best looking guy in the world. So <laughs> that's probably not the best example. But like, it doesn't matter what they look like. He is. He is. Yeah, he should be the face of the league, and it should be a face that you should see, and it should be a face that probably should be protected at all costs. Right? And forget (laughs) about physical appearance, disfigurement, whatever. If he takes a bad shot off the face, you know, at minimum, you're looking at decent injury list. I, I see guys with the missing teeth, and I'm just like, I can't. I just can't. I cannot justify living like that and having missing Whereas, teeth. So I would say missing teeth makes you think of hockey. Yeah, but not the distinguishment of the sport itself. Yes, it is, guys. but it's also like uh, yeah, it's unsafe. Uh, but they cut they enjoy that, that that warrior culture is what I'll call it. Well, that's part English. of the but issue too. I'll call it Neanderthal. Yeah. But, well, um, then also uh, I'll I'll take another uh, an analogy here. Look at catchers in baseball when they when they were first introducing shin guards, uh, chest protectors, all that jazz. They were called the tools of ignorance, and people who were wearing those were looked severely down upon. Now it's it's a part of the catcher's identity, uh, and you know. And I agree with you here, Francisco. Uh, it's stupid that they took away the ability for them to paint the helmets. Well, that's that's an aside, yes, but that's an aside. That's a like Rob Manfred. Come on, dude. Come on. Or like, I mean, that was a Bud Sea League era rule too, but still, like, you know, well, like let's go back to hockey here. So uh, Jacques Plante was the first goaltender to consistently wear a face mask mm-hmm. in 1956, I think. Yep. Back he then, it was plain old white. Uh, he broke his nose initially, and right. then he wore the mask. I think somebody des- like helped him make it, whatever. And then he wore it until his nose got better. But then he went into a game without it again, and I don't know if he almost got hit, whatever. And he was like, "Nope, not going back." <laughs> yeah, he, he basically told the 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 man the coach. He basically said. If you don't let me go in with this, I'm not playing it. Mm-hmm. And so he, was, he was the 
he was that guy. And the the beautiful. I mean, the big thing was he was also the best goalie on the planet. So he, you couldn't say no to him. Like if the end, like let's say if this was the like, like once again, if 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 Sidney Crosby had done this, if Sidney Crosby went last time he got hurt, he wore the full cage. If he had kept it, like you know what, I'm just gonna keep it. Maybe, just maybe, because he's big enough, especially now he's got all the Stanley Cup rings. That who's gonna question it, especially if it doesn't affect his play. Maybe he makes it better. Maybe he's like, hey, I'll go into the corners a lot more with this on. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to get uh, sticked in the face or whatever, too. So uh, you, you, might, might, you might be willing to, to, to get a little more, I guess, have a little, a slightly more courage going into some situations thanks to having the whole face protected. Right. You know, it's not going to protect you from getting boarded or whatever, but still. Anyways, yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm with you on this, Andrew. You've convinced me. You've convinced me now, now that you've brought and, this up. And one last thing, you know how we've mentioned that pitchers start wearing masks? <laughs> I feel like they yeah. should wear lacrosse helmets. I feel like it's like the perfect thing. Lacrosse helmets, whatever you want to call it. it they do it in pro softball. They do it in softball. Yeah, they're closer. <laughs> they're closer to the to the home plate the exit speed is significantly faster yeah you know so. it's it's i'm amazed that a pitcher has not been killed well there have been scary moments like, there's always actually, there's always one true. per season a i actually i take that back there was a youth player who was killed on a comeback yeah. but and that's part of the reason why they they went away from the bezer um, aluminum bat model and went to the BB core. Yeah. Uh, less powerful. So, all right. Um, okay. Thank. Yeah, that's that. That seems like a good idea, Andrew. Right. Go. You know what? Let's 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 send a a, a strongly worded email to the NHL. <laughs> see if you can get a one to one conversation with with Gary Batman and see if you can convince him. First thing you gotta do is just put a NHL thing in the background for the YouTube, and I'll get its attention when he strikes us. <laughs> <laughs> we basically just took a big pee on his yard. <laughs> yeah, NHLs—we're fans of you guys. How you, come on, come on now. All right, okay. Well, let's see. We are at—we're forty minutes in, and I—I want to get because it is Women's History Month guys so we we still must honor our queens out there so i'd like to do a you go girl and i'm doing this one in celebration of the announcement last week that espn will be regaining rights to broadcast the nhl all right so my you go girl for this entry this week is linda Cohn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. Linda Cohn. Why? Because she's a massive hockey fan. There are a lot of big hockey fans, especially the old guard from ESPN. The ones that are there. Stephen A. Smith's not a hockey fan. All right? We, we all know that. We all know. He, he doesn't know anything. Max Kellerman's a fucking moron. He's a fucking asshole. All right? 
so because he said i think last year like nobody cared about the nhl in, in in the united states and i was like oh oh this guy who actually reports about boxing talking about a sport nobody cares about oh boy because nobody gives a shit about boxing in the usa i'll tell you that much okay anyways except for punch out all right except for punch out it's the only thing that people like about boxing anyways dying sport you guys lost to mma come on now all right well then linda code so she is of course a sports broadcaster worked at espn but she she started out in local television worked her way up worked for sports channel america there'll be alkam and i can't even pronounce this patchogway new york wfan huh spell it for me patch like 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 a patch and then ogwe o-g-u-e pachogwe pachogwe paninis i'm not sure pierogies you tried and that's what matters most but yeah well, <laughs> i was trying to like give it like the latin inflection with it i i know you like that's what i, that's what I do to save myself in some situations <laughs> oh boy charles likes boxing I, I just saw that oh i mean i, I hurt your feelings charles i'm sorry no, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm excited. Day, I, I'm just saying, Max, Cal- whole, the, the man's throwing stones in a glass body. house, and you know, so. No one knows. Listen, here's the thing. Everybody rolled their eyes when Kellerman got put on the first take. When you make people miss Skip of all people, <laughs> you know there's problems. Shout so out I'm to like, Emily Kaplan for being an ESPN young guard hockey person. Yes. Yes, indeed. There we go, Emily Kaplan. There we go. Yeah, but Linda Cohn. And Andrew's off trying to find the pronunciation for this city. Uh, and and KIRO TV in Seattle. She went to SUNY Oswego. She's, of course, an anchor since uh, she's been working in TV since 1987. And some trivia for her. She was the first full time female sportscaster for a U.S. national radio network when she started with ABC. And she had her 5,000th edition of Sports Center back in 2016, and she's hosted the most in all of ESPN history. So we're we're on Sports Gives 97. We got a long way to go, guys. <laughs> you imagine like 40 years from now, it's like, welcome everybody to Sports Gives 5,000. <laughs> oh boy. Did it, Mom? All right, we finally have. One million views. It took a while, but uh, whereas, you know, ESPN's on like 40 billion or whatever. (laughs) So anyways, podcast she has right now. So we're semi-competing with her, but we're not really not. It's called Listen Closely with Linda Cohn. And I guess this. Yeah, I think this was a precursor to the to the deal. But she was she will also be primarily focusing on hockey going into the future with ESPN. So, maybe she was in the room when they were doing these negotiations to get hockey back on ESPN. Now, that that's yeah, so that's Linda Cohen everybody. And of course, she she when the Florida Panthers are doing their goalie tryouts, their, their emergency backup goalie tryouts, and we had a whole bunch of people here coming down to, to try out she was one of them she was one of the people that came down to try and win the job of emergency backup goaltender for the florida panthers which would have been pretty sweet <laughs> if she was in the building every other night just waiting with her gear 
ready to go. We so. love you, Linda. Please come on the show. Yes, please. Please, please, please. All right. So she makes three million bucks a year. Wow. Oh, Good man. Year. Yeah, for real. And she's been working at ESPN for like, what, almost three decades? That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. That's some. She's probably got some really good goaltending gear because she still plays, I think, rec league or somewhere. So yeah, Linda Cohn, everybody. I'm surprised that cheap ESPN would keep her on because God knows they got rid of everybody in the first wave. The budget cuts in John. Ooh, yeah. Well, so... I like Linda Cohn and I like John Clay. I'm not picking favorites. I'm just shocked because their whole thing was, oh, you guys can't cover it because we don't have anything. So wouldn't the most logical thing be to? Eliminate the heaviest price, even though I know I, she's probably one of the more recognizable ones. I think that's that's ESPN cannot afford to lose all of the old guard. Because I, I, I mean, Stuart Scott passed things. away. Stuart's, I mean, I'm talking about the old guard. Stephen A. Smith's not an old guard. Yeah. He he was. No, I'm talking about the people that were were anchors. You know, I think Bob Lee is he, he's still there. I think, but I don't know what he, he does. Retired. Oh, he retired. Oh, so he's gone. Stuart Scott unfortunately passed away. Uh, Kenny Mayne, is he still there? I don't even... Nah. I'm not even sure. I'm not see. even sure. Uh, let's see, who else? Uh, Scott Van Pelp has his own uh, late-night show. Oh, Kenny yeah, Mayne is still with ESPN uh-huh. somehow. Okay. Uh, Dan Patrick left to do his own thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Mayne is still on sometimes, so I guess whenever he feels like doing it, which at this point he might as well work that way, right? That's the dream. That is the dream. Hey, I feel like doing Sports Center tonight. <laughs> Just kind of feeling the itch, feeling nostalgic. Yeah. So Linda Cohn and uh, who else? Who else? I mean, uh, was it John Saunders passed away too? So he's gone. Oh uh, gosh. Well, I got bummed out now. <laughs> I'm also feeling old thinking about all those old names and like, oh no. Oh gosh. There's. And there's plenty of videos on YouTube about the, the the reason ESPN doesn't feel or seem as good as it as it once was, and it's not because of the political lean that they sometimes go on, but it's also a uh, just the way that they're trying to get ratings. So, you know, people will love those talking heads. The normies love those talking heads. Yes, they do. You know, that's kind of semi what we do here, but we're not screaming into the mic like this all the time. Unless it's Charles doing his cage. Yeah. <laughs> we also just but, aren't oversaturated the way some of uh, that's true. people are. And we also... We would love to be. We also don't just lean hard on, on promoting our own narratives just for the sake of promoting it and basically almost being TMZ at some points. And only promoting NFL stuff and NBA stuff because it's where you can kind of generate drama. It's almost like ESPN is like a YouTube drama channel, but for sports. Sometimes it feels that way. Like Keemstar is going to host the show someday. I bet you that 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 could happen. Oh, that makes my skin crawl <laughs> a little bit. Oh, boy. Let me, you know what, guys? Let's get some culture into our lives. And Andrew, did you find a pronunciation of that city, by the way? I gave up. Uh, gosh darn it. We'll have to call the mayor of Pachogo. I, I don't even... no, hold on, guys. I, I have a... Uh, well, when we just start discussing uh, football, I have a picture. Okay, so I... But let me do a... 
uncultured swine. Haven't done one of these in a while. Guys, we're, we're heading down under for this one. Ooh. All right, we are going right. to... We're going to cover the... I hope I... The Illawarra Hawks. That's how I'm pronouncing it. Andrew, maybe you want to find out what the name of this city is, too, or how to pronounce it. The Latin spin, out of all opportunities that you've had. Iowada? Yeah. Well, Freddy's found the Wikipedia that says Patchog. Like, Sonic the Patchog, Hedgehog, maybe. Yeah, Yeah, kind of. Okay. 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 That's pretty cool. Okay. Phonetically speaking, I see it. Yeah. I mean, it's a Native American. It sounds Native American, that's for sure. But, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Illawarra Hawks. Established in 1979, they played in, in the National Basketball League, which is Australia's premier basketball league. They have one championship back in 2001. Their only notable players that I could see that played in the NBA, Aaron Brooks. That, that's a callback. Player remember, forget. Yeah. <laughs> and LaMelo Ball. That's, uh-huh. Yeah, that's where he headed off to instead of going to college. And they've got quite a history, of course. They, they, they almost folded back in 2009, but their team captain, Matt Campbell, was able to drum up enough support from, from the whole community, almost like a, like, a, like a Nickelodeon or a Disney Channel movie. He's like, come on, we got to save the basketball team. And he got sponsors and naming rights and all that stuff and they were able to 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 sell the team off to a guy that was willing to 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 pay for everything a guy from india a mining magnet because there's a lot of mining in australia and so they they were able to save the team and they created a not-for-profit community-based company and they formed the wallagong hawks basketball limited to make sure that the hawks can can keep surviving so lamella ball versus rj hampton that was a game that happened last year and it broke the nbl viewership record for largest viewership with two million people watching back in october of 2019 because everybody's watching future nba stars or draft picks at the very least and they've had different name changes Illawarra Hawks, the Walla Walla, I, I can't even, Walla Bong, Wallongong Hawks. And at one point, I guess because they were as tired as me at pronouncing these names, they were just called the Hawks. And the NBL was pissed off. They're like, you guys got to have a name. So they're like, okay, we're going to go back to Illawarra then. So there you go. They play at the Wynn Entertainment Center back in Wallongong, New South Wales in Australia. And that's that's all I got for you. So there you go. So I mean, for some reason, I, I don't know if it's excessive enough to say, but I just think of Crocodile Dundee. You think it's a ball? No, this is a ball. Mm. For anybody yeah. who's seen Crocodile Dundee, <laughs> now I feel old, just outdating ourselves here. YouTube yeah. kids, he's comparing a knife to another knife. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed in my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's one thing that is not going to be. It's not going to get a nickname from any professional sports team in Australia. It's definitely not going to be the Rays. Ooh. <laughs> Is it still too soon? Is it? When did, when did he die? Oh, gosh. Hold on. Steve Irwin. 2006. 
We're in. Six, okay. I mean, at some point it becomes funny. Yeah, it, I mean, it's not like they call them the murder rays, though. I gotta say, for a rugby <laughs> team, that'd be appropriate. Uh, they're but, de- devil rays. Devil rays. De- there you go. Yeah, so, you know. Okay. I think it's God. because he's so beloved. Yeah, I guess. But, uh, I don't know. Comedy. If you love him so much, name your team after him. They obviously don't love him enough, right? Mm-hmm. Let us have this moment. The Fighting Irwins. Yeah, or the hunt, the Crocodile Hunters. And yeah, Ooh. just call them the Crocodile Hunters. Now nah, that, that's probably like trademarked by his family or something. Or maybe just the Hunters. Yeah. That would work out. Oh, so many animal rights groups will probably be against them for that, though. <laughs> so I can already see that now. Yeah, okay. Well, that's Uncultured Swine, everybody. Okay, well, uh, we have six minutes until the halfway point. I can do one more small segment if you guys want me to bridge us over there. Let's do it. Because I, I, I've been saving up over the last few weeks, so I've got another one. So let's do a let's haul, y'all. Vincent, this guy's not dead, by the way. So Good. So <laughs> let's get away from a guy that is dead and is probably in some Hall of Fame and Steve Irwin and go to a... Uh, another one so let's do a let's haul y'all and and uh, this one's jason kidd yeah jason kidd so he is alive class of 2018 point guard went to cal drafted in 1994 in the first round second overall played for the dallas mavericks the phoenix suns the New Jersey Nets and the New York Knicks won the 1995 Rookie of the Year Award, 10-time All-Star, 5-time Assist Champions. There you go. So I guess a ton of assists. 9-time All-Defensive Team, 1995 All-Rookie Team, 6-time All-NBA, won two gold medals in 2000 and 2008, won a 2011 championship, boo, Second all-time in assists in the NBA. Was a head coach for both the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. And, yes. And is an assistant coach right now with the Los Angeles Lakers. And he picked up another ring last season. Boo. Jason Kidd. Yeah. And, of course, he had that. Was it the love? Was it love triangle or love quadrangle? Way back when. You guys know that story? Time for the scandalous moment to come out. Uh, with Jason Kidd and his teammates and, you know, some of his his goings on with a, with a certain singer. Oh, yeah. No? Yeah, I remember. Okay. Well, that happened. There's, there's a wonderful video about it on SB Nation, or now it's called Secret Base, on YouTube. So if you want to find out that love quadrangle between him and his teammates that may or may not have led to the breakup of those young Dallas Mavericks teams, love, okay, that's the love, B, look at this, the love shape, Freddy by Freddy, and you see the B, love dodecahedron. I like how we're just like dancing on eggshells on it. It's fantastic. Oh boy. Well, it's there. I just think of semi-pro and everybody's like, everybody love everybody. <laughs> love Hexagon. <laughs> oh, boy. It's 2021. You can 
You can love every way, shape, or form if you feel like it. Now, we don't kink shame here on Sports Goose, that's for sure. Definitely not. Nope. We got Charles over here giving coal jobs. I'm over there spawning at a library. And really, Andrew's the only one that has any moral compass on this show. I am. The, I am. I double as the moral compass and guest wrangler of this show. Yeah. Unf well, yeah, that's probably like. Well, I don't know. Andrew was dealing drugs in his world tour. Yeah, that That's canon. That's uh, canon, by the way, Andrew. Andrew. Andrew's third favorite thing to do is ski in the white powder. That's what we have the storyline <laughs> built on when you were gone, getting pulled over by the cops. I hope you listened to that episode. <laughs> So that that's canon, by the way. And Andrew does wrangle guests, and may or may not be willingly, by the way. So there you go. I'm sorry, Andrew. Why why did we make you seem like you're a you're a ardent criminal? <laughs> I don't get it. We, we I just I'll be honest. <laughs> As I was I was talking to I was mentioning this to Charles a while back. Uh, if I was in wrestling, I would love to be a heel. Because mm. I, I like to think that I'm a nice guy in real life. So being able to, to play off my my baser urges, would be fantastic. Mm. Be so much fun. That'd be a that'd be a nice thought experiment. What would be our wrestling personas? Like for instance, when I was. Uh, when I was in high school, I was in a play where I played a, a villain, which I was initially very bummed about because I was like, oh, but I wanted to be the good guy. But then I came to love and embrace the role. It was it was so much fun. There you go. Look at that. It's dormant. It's lying dormant inside of him. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, Freddy, what if you were a Pokemon? Ooh, and there's a lot Snorlax, to choose from. Straight up. <laughs> Without hesitation, all I want to do is sleep. Oh man! Oh, that's that's. I want to sleep. There's like so many to Batman. choose from. What what would my personality be? In comparison, I I haven't even thought of that thought experiment. I mean, I have favorite Pokemon, but I can't think of one that would be my personality or whatever. Well, well, we're at the halfway point, guys. We'll we'll have our thought experiments about our, our wrestling personas, or maybe even fursonas. Who knows? Maybe it could be the furry of the of, of the of wrestling world. Has there? Wait, Charles. Before I get there, now that I've thought about it, have there? Has has anybody donned a furry esque? All right, kids. Um, going down. A look like line was it? Look like Kang from from Tekken. Well, hold on. Time out. Freddie just gave us uh, his non-sponsor. Let's delve into this one a little. Pokemon Go. Okay, well, we'll Charles, you hang on that thought, and we'll talk about wrestling fur furries later on, after this, after the second half. But let's let's get well, into. Follow us on our OnlyFans for Charles's use of personas any day of the week with wrestling. <laughs> so let's 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 go. Let's do uh, uh, a word from our non-sponsors, people, places, things, concepts, what have you that we have been enjoying over the last week, and and Freddy's got one. It's Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go, yes, guys. Uh, I, that, is a, that is a throwback. Well, I still have I still have it on my phone. And you, oh gosh, you know they added the the ability to transfer one or I think there you can transfer a few of them 
from this game into Sword and Shield, and I only like utilized it once to transfer my Suicune over. I'm surprised I didn't really go nuts with that feature. Oh, I, I kind of burnt out on Pokemon, that's for sure. Uh, Sword and Shield, man. And then you have Go. Yeah, well, and Arceus is the one that I'm really looking forward to. So I'm not getting Diamond or Pearl. I'm not getting that. Uh, uh, you see, I could because I missed out. I didn't play those either. I played that generation. I played uh, Heart Gold, which, by the way, on eBay is worth a lot of money, and I'm glad I kept my copy. But yeah, Pokemon Go. That was. Uh, guys, I was trying to pass the bar exam as I ran around campus trying to get a Pikachu. Because <laughs> <laughs> it came out the season. Or not season, but it came out. Yeah, when, 2016. Yeah. So y'all don't understand. So I remember st- side fun story because Freddie opened this door. The day it came out, everybody and their mother was just going through FIU Law Library because, for those who don't know, the Law Library we would have the undergrads there as well. And I remember it was like a Saturday night, and I knew it was came out, but then there's just like a whole surge of people, and I would stay there until closing. You know, whether it's a lot of but, you know, they closed early on Saturdays. It made no sense to fix that FIU for future kids. Um, but then I would just steal, like, the classrooms where you always have to prop the door because you don't have yourself locked out. Have that, have that happen, too. That's always fun. But you would just see all these people locking out. It was so weird because I had barged myself against human interaction. I'm seeing all these people coming in, and then there's my dumbass on, like, a random Tuesday needing my 15 minutes of bar break air, and I just look, and I see a little Pikachu on my phone. I'm like, oh, my God. And I go, and I try to get the sound vision. Good times. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I remember I was doing an externship with the city of Miami when that happened. And when I was just sitting there and doing nothing... I would look for Pokemon. In fact, I remember like a group meeting between all the externs, whatever. And we were there and I'm on my phone taking augmented reality photos of the people around me with Pokemon next to them. (laughs) So you could see where my head was at. And my lunch breaks were incredibly fun because I was in downtown Miami. There's plenty of Pokemon, plenty of little... Uh, one of the Pokestops that I could collect stuff at. So when the app wasn't crashing on you, because it crashed like crazy when it was starting out. But yeah, that 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 was fun. That was super, super duper fun. And I, I still have it on my phone, but I haven't played it in forever. That's for sure. But yeah, he has a Ratchet with oh, perfect IV, dear Lord, and a shiny Ampharos. So Pokemon Go, everybody. There you go. That's that's Freddy's non-sponsor. Okay. Don't know if he has a promo code. He can put it up later. Yeah. Okay, guys. Who's next? Who wants to go next? I'll go next. All right. Go ahead, Andrew. My non-sponsor is the Double Tree Suites on Melbourne Beach. I called it, Charles. From last week, we're like, hey, hey, I bet Andrew's probably going to, like, have a non-sponsor of, like, the hotel he was staying at or something. So there you go. You you know me too well. Double Tree Hotel. Where was it? What city? Look at his promo code. (laughs) There you go. That's perfect. 
Uh, what, what city, Andrew? In particular? Melbourne. 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 Yeah, Melbourne. Or is it Bird? Is it is it Burn where you don't pronounce the O? Correct. Really? Melbourne. That's how Melbourne. they pronounce it? It's Melbourne. Oh, man. Well, great city, by the way. Melbourne's great. But that, that whole stretch. Yeah. Oh, you've uh, been to that stretch. Uh, in the Atlantic, Satellite Beach, yeah. Melbourne Beach, that whole stretch. Indian mm-hmm. Harbor Beach. Uh, I've spent a lot of good times there. Uh, I had a friend that lived out there for a while. Um, so, anyway, this place was, I guess, technically in Melbourne, but it was right on the water. Uh, fantastic. I, I really enjoyed staying there. Uh, this was kind of my part one of my uh, bar decompression trip. Um, I took the bar a couple of weeks ago, so I decided to spend a couple of days up near the beach, uh, went up to visit UCF, uh, see a friend or two, um, and I, it was suggested to me that I get a, I was going to stay in Orlando initially, but someone suggested that you should stay on the water, um, and I was kind of deciding, do I want to go West Coast, the Gulf Coast, or I want to go East Coast, the Atlantic? Uh, eventually decided uh, Atlantic, go to Melbourne. Uh, well, first off, the ocean is amazing. I haven't spent a lot of time on the beach in quite a while, certainly not this much on a consistent basis. Um, and the beach is really nice. I initially wanted to go further north to like Ormond Beach. Um, but they allowed drive, they allowed driving on the, the beach there. And that was a hell no for me. Wanted as little disruption as possible. Uh, I have plenty of pictures and it was just absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, they had a sliding glass door in my, uh, in my, uh, room that you could just, I went to sleep listening to the ocean and it was phenomenal. Um, much, uh, much needed, uh, R and R was lovely. And I totally forgot the double tree has probably the best cookies I've ever had. Nice. What, they what, have what this, kind? Um, let me, well, they are literally known as the double tree cookies. Um, they have, well, previously a secret recipe, but, uh, back at the beginning of quarantine in the virus, they released the recipe for all to have, uh, which really nice. That was really nice of them to do. Might have to look into that for myself then. It is a chocolate chip cookie with walnuts. Interesting. And is abso-freaking-lutely delicious. According to their website, more than 30 million are consumed every year, and the Double Tree chocolate chip cookie even became the first food to be baked in orbit during experiments above aboard the International Space Station. Well, there you go. There you go. And it is, it is super easy. You just need butter, sugar, eggs, vanilla extract, lemon juice, flour, oats, baking soda, salt, cinnamon, semi-sweet chocolate chips, and walnuts. 
Okay. What's what's great about the the hotel is if you're part of their membership club, which is free to join, by the way. And let me let me say this: the DoubleTree is part of the Hilton chain. Um, they used to be their own thing, but then Hilton, like everything in life, uh, bought like everything these days bought out the chain. Uh, but luckily, they didn't get rid of the cookies. Thank you, Hilton. Um, but so if you're part of their membership club, which again, free to join, they give you a nice welcome package of two bottles of water and a wonderful cookie. And then they have a whole stash of them ready to go at the front desk. So you can just come down whenever you want and say, hey, can you give me a few cookies? Um, and like, sure. So they just hand them over and they are... You you guys keep saying that I'm into drugs and illicit things or whatever. <laughs> These things are drugs, man. They are they are addictive. Mm -hmm. They were. Okay. I I was I was very lazy and didn't want to get up too early in the morning to go get breakfast or whatever uh, from like McDonald's or whatever because I wasn't going to eat in house because of the virus. Uh, so as I'm headed out the door, I'm like. Hey, do you have any more of those cookies? And like, yeah, how many do you want? I said, two. He said, sure, here you go. Um, so that was my breakfast on the way to UCF uh, on day two. And then as I'm heading out to go back home, I'm like, can I have three for the road? Sure. So I'm like, this is amazing. I am going to stay here much more often. But thanks to the Doubletree, they released their recipe, so I'm definitely going to be making these a lot more. Uh, so yeah, Doubletree Melbourne uh, was fantastic. I'd highly recommend it. Um, certainly get the uh, certainly get something on the water. Um, although actually, I think all of their their places are on the you can see from the water. Um, absolutely gorgeous the beach was amazing that whole strip of land is amazing highly recommended if you're ever in florida even if you don't stay in a hotel just check out the beach it is lovely um promo code crack cookies oh yeah which reminds me of if i use crack cookies. Yep. <laughs> okay. yeah, that's, that's why i said it okay I will say this, Charles. These cookies are better than the crack cookies. That oh, I boy. Use. Well, I'm going to say it right now for the record. The FIU crack cookies, because I know the <laughs> person I used to date back then were trash. Sorry. <laughs> They're not as good as mm. everybody hyped it up to be. But next time I go to the Double Tree, because I've been there before in the past. Okay, I legit just yeah. fronted Freddy on Pokemon Go, and I caught a Totodile. So. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay well let me let me do me let me do me all right so gentlemen so our beloved show i i do a lot to get this thing up and running and produce it and try and make sure it doesn't all fall apart in front of us we get those those beautiful beautiful 10 cents per show you know but i need a lot of help with regards to programs and things that i use you know, there's, there's always there's always something that, that I'm looking for to make the whole process easier for me in order to 
to get it out the door and make us sound semi-professional, you know, and make sure all of the, the the things are out of the way. So, uh, gosh, man, this this one is something that I've been using. So it's free. It's called Audacity. All right. Ah, Audacity. Audacity. There you go. Audacity. Yes. So Audacity is a non-sponsor for this week. I think it was perfect for us because actually last episode we were pretty darn good with no technical difficulties whatsoever so that, that actually worked out for us but yeah i edit the show i make sure to to just lighten some things up make sure like last episode andrew was for example andrew came in briefly to, to talk what about what he needed to talk and but his his microphone was very low so thankfully if you listen to the podcast version of that Andrew's microphone sounds on par with me and Charles. So you can you can hear what he was saying a lot more clear. And it's thanks to Audacity. It's open source. It's free. You can get it on Linux or your Mac or, or, or your Windows PC. And it's it's free software that helps you. Just multi-track editor. You can record with it. And I'm still learning how to use it. I haven't worked out everything with it. I'm still, I had to watch some more tutorials on YouTube. But on the basic side, I kind of got it down path with regards to just trimming things out and, and, and using the, the effects that they got there. They've got different effects that you can amplify certain things. You can take out certain noises and heighten some other things. And it, it works out well. So I'm still experimenting and you can kind of gauge the quality of my experiments based on the episodes that we've had this season because I've been using it all this season, and this season is almost over. Come April, the first week of April will be our last show because that's episode 100, and that gives me four weeks late, four weeks of time for us to take a break and for me to kind of experiment with other things, and we come back with season six slightly more improved which basically has been our mantra for the last three years by the way everybody three years anniversary coming up this week actually yeah this week this week's our anniversary week so three years of sports goose can't believe it (laughs) gosh didn't think they didn't think this would last this long to be honest but especially last year guys last year when we we just kind of survived the whole virus thing and just kept on trucking when a lot of people quit a lot of people started podcasts and quit their podcasts immediately but we kept on we kept on trucking and here we are so we're the Glenn Quagmires of podcasting just don't take <laughs> any kind of form of resistance the way to lay down oh boy oh god no <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not let's just steer away there audacity you guys are you guys are great uh, you, you, <laughs> promo code uh, n- not sexual predators <laughs> all right um on that note you see sometimes the best thing is just to kind of bait and switch each of you including myself at times when we're doing things just to make it funnier um so i'll go mine's a continuation because as we know we have been following the journey of charles's hobbit feet especially if we don't know if he has hobbit feet so we talked about fleet feet last week and how they were able to kind of correct my ignorant ass about what my feet actually are size wise width wise arch wise everything so we needed to find a companion and boys chris out there fleet feet he was my prince charming to my cinderella as we tried on 
many shoes, many running shoes. And your boy needs the right kind of running shoes because my workouts are weightlifting at the home. And then I go running afterwards. And how do I run? I run three to five miles, depending on the day, right? So I got to get the right kind of sequence. This Saturday, I ran five point something. Yesterday, I ran 226 because it was leg day and I'm not going to strain my knees. Tomorrow, it's probably going to be a three to four. We're going to get that cardio back because when I had the teeth kind of taken care of, today is actually my first episode with my proper crown in there. So I'm not slurring as much. That's fantastic too. It's really a whole compilation of things. But we had to play Cinderella to figure out and we found the right ones, ones that don't hurt the feet too much and they can hold into Charles's, you know, damnation of his souls. Uh-huh. I feel like there's a double-edged sword. Maybe it's because I'm playing Diablo right there and puns and double entendres mm. and all that other fun mm-hmm. stuff. I am going to give my non-sponsor out to Brooks Ghost 13. That's the um, the brand that I have. Pretty sturdy. Works very well. I was able to take my Asics. I wear my normal running shoes, workout shoes. I just kind of promote them to my everyday walking shoes because, or just my standard sneakers are black and white. They don't really have any wear and tear that's on them because I got those back in August. We're retiring the old Nikes. I've had those for like seven years. It's it's time, right? But these, I have like the gray one. I think it's the one that says 130. Um, can I just ask why is it that running shoes always kind of have to look kind of fugly? Can't we just be simple with it? So I got to go with gray, but it's good on my feet, good on the cushion. I don't really feel a lot of impact on the bottom of my feet, especially when you get to like mile three or four, your feet start to get a little wobbly or wonky. And then, you know, you might lose, um, oh, that's a color I might consider. Um, might get some in there. I don't have any bunions. I don't have any, reminds me of Nightwing. who's was like my favorite DC character for you guys. If you want to know a little bit about my nerdiness. Also, we are continuing season four of uh, My Hero Academia. Damn, it's good. Um, but this has basically been able to carry me and my, um, that's the ones I have, I believe, and my uh, ridiculous ass to every mile that I take into the heat. And I Wait, like did, did you have a choice on on the color, or did they just give Not you that? Because because I'm in store, so oh. I had that. I had like a weird, like they had a black one, but it had a blue finish at the bottom. Like this you, one, like the this one right here that, that we're showing I'm, right I'm here. A step, I'm a step behind you. Yeah. Not that but kind of so imagine it's black but it's not that kind of light blue imagine it being kind of like i don't want to say it was neon blue but it was kind of like um with the neon green kind of like the seattle seahawks in a way i don't know it was like it was like a dark blue contrast and i didn't it didn't vibe with me um as the kids say because i'm i'm just too old school i feel that's why sometimes i I wish i had that all black when i was an option um but i do like that blue and gray like blue and black or purple i saw that one i thought fiu colors it did not feel as comfortable that had the gold on the, on the check mark. You, you know, I'd be getting this one. The red and white one kind of looks like Sonic shoes. That's for sure. So. I actually do like that right away one. They didn't have yeah. that as an option. I used to have red sneakers when I used to uh, work out of the gym a couple of years back. The style matters, you know. And, and mind you, I'm not going to put style over comfort because if that was the case, I wouldn't go through this whole effort of trying to get the right shoes. I just wear whatever. But these have kind of done well because prior to the A6, which I knew it was a little wobbly, so maybe they were the proper running shoes. I was doing new balances and they, they weren't just hanging. And then what I had prior to that, I don't even recall. But it worked out pretty well. I have not had any significant impact because I was feeling pain in the bottom of my foot, guys. I thought I busted a planner. It wouldn't be beyond my my um, my um over-exertion of things to have. I've hurt my body before in the past, exercising too much or just overdoing when I shouldn't. But uh, very happy with them. Might consider second pair. They're not the cheapest, but what I've kind of realized is that sometimes you just can't find the best thing on sale. You just get the thing that's going to fit. 
Um, I think I popped about 130 on mine, but it worked out pretty well and I'm happy with it. And maybe if I, maybe I should, because now I know the size, I'll just go on the website. I just don't like to buy things online and then try them out and then have to go through the hassle of returning it. So that's why I go stuff that's in-house. But Brooks, uh, the Ghost 13, uh, I wonder what 12 and one were like, but you know, I like it a lot. It worked out pretty well. It's going to kind of take me where I'm going. Uh, maybe I can kind of, you know, go from there and be my own forest gump and in the process grow a better beard but i like it um it's what i'm gonna go with for a bit i'll try out some of the other models and at least it gives me some clear way to go for it so brooks goes 13 or the brooks brand i haven't tried their other shoes to be honest with you but we'll go from here promo code um gotta go fast okay all right well then thank you to our actual sponsor for this episode podcorn We've been using Podcorn for a few months now, and what we enjoy most is the large amount of potential sponsors they offer and the easy user interface that allows us to pitch our proposals and collaborate to meet the sponsor's expectations. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting its podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up on any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. Click the link in our show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. All right, guys, let's move on. Second half of the show. Yes, there's what football stuff you guys want to go, go, go to? Some off season things um, happening. There's a lot of free agency. Stuff in, the, in NFL, um, what's the thing called? Free agency. Yeah. Okay. I, that. I mean, we can. We, we sure can because uh, I know the Dolphins are striking out. That's the, from what I've heard from oh. everybody else. I, I can give you some information there if you'd like to kind of go from it as someone who is kind of coming out of love of the memes for sure. Fantasy. The memes have been great. And someone's coming in as a resident fantasy football junkie on his exit. Maybe Andrew returns to it next year. Free agency matters, boys. Free agency doesn't necessarily matter if your team's going to get better. It's about are we going to get cheaper? But Andrew mentioned something that I kind of want to focus on here because we're kind of lawyers. we got some legal brains going on, right? What is the point of a salary cap if everybody could just restructure stuff to create votable years in a contract to just kind of soothe the cap hit and then not take in consideration dead money and all this stuff? Because the teams that were supposed to be bad because they were in cap hell, if they're not named the New Orleans Saints, have been able to succeed. Case in point, Kansas City Chiefs. They had to let go of Mitchell Schwartz. They had to let go of Ryder. They had to let go of a couple of their other guys, only to get Joe Thunny on a five-year, $84 million contract, which I think $30 million guaranteed. And what do they do to obtain it? And what a lot of other players have, or not players, but well, yeah, players, but also teams have done. They've restructured a lot of contracts to just get rid of the roster bonuses and just make them signing bonuses. The Chiefs, what they did was they restructured Mahomes, who, mind you, was on a 10-year near $500 million contract, Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey's contracts to make them more cap space to come in. We just outright released people in Tennessee. We said, bye-bye, Adora Jackson, which was fine. We were going to pick him up anyway. We let um, Corey Davis go. He, he went to the Jets. Good luck. We don't care. We got Bud Dupree, 
your boy is very happy on that one because even though our defense is trash, we're gonna overpay this man to make us better. Wait, wait, wait. We make him Charles, what is their defense? Yes. Which one? What is their defense? Tennessee Titans. Trash. Oh, trash. Okay, sorry, I, I was on a different focus, man. Yeah, Damn because it. trash. Thank no, you. no, our defense was not trash in the way of like it's like respect, and I'm downplaying you. Our defense was trash last year. We only had about 19 sacks on the season. We had paid Vic Beasley $10 million to just not even show up. And then we paid Jadavian Clowney a little bit above that to not do anything and then get hurt. So we paid Bud Dupree five years, 80-something million, averaging 16.7 million. Mind you, this was a guy who only didn't become a sack master until he got Steven to it and TJ Watt. Big concern because Harold Landry, Rashawn uh, Evans, and possibly Jayon Brown come back. I don't see it's possible, but you know, I keep my heart out a little bit. Hopefully those are not those kind of guys. We did get, um, and God, I'm going to butcher the name. I'm going to butcher the name because I'm, I'm not even good with my own last name, but we picked up from, um, uh, the Colts. I'm going to try to say it. it's a, can we do this? Danico Autry and Autry was hard for me because I was thinking Autry, but I can't say it, but we got him. His defensive tackle was there to get in his big contract. So we found ways to kind of plug and play certain people. But free agency is kind of weird, boys, because why? Everybody's going to be cash wrapped. They said that the salary cap is going to be at 182. And people have, or teams have outbidded the other teams because they know there's going to be some people in hell. I don't know even know how the Saints are a functioning team because even when Drew Brees retired, oh, by the way, Drew Brees retired. So yeah. he's, you know, of course, have the, once again, having a seal of shot. He's off to NBC. He's off to NBC. But I, I find it funny that the man that was replaced by um, Rivers, they both retired in the same year. It's it's funny to me. I like little things like that. They're calling career in the sunset. They're always one-upping each other. I did it better than you, even though you did it immediately. And then there's Tom Brady who just laughs in, um, you know, infinite young age. But you, oh, we got Janoris Jenkins. This is good stuff for Charles. There we go. It replaces my question of who's going to play our corners. But Bill Belichick, boys, his whole thing of draft, develop, and also trade for unheralded people. We're going to make him great at the Patriot way. Spend a lot of money. Super a lot of money. John New Smith, former Texas uh, Titan, take him. We don't want him. Trash. You're going to pay this man 30 plus million because he caught eight touchdowns last year. Fantastic. As a guy, former FIU Golden Panther, as a guy who saw him play live um, multiple times when the Titans were there. That wasn't live physically in person. I tried to work out that way, right? But as a guy who saw him play, his blocking skill was fine, but it's not like he was Delaney Walker, who I that was the seminal kind of tie-in that we need. And maybe he was only better because of Arthur Smith, but you're going to overpay him. Then they're going to overpay Hunter Henry, another tight end. The tight, starting tight end for the Chargers, who's no longer the Chargers, another $30 million contract, 20-something million guaranteed, I believe. Um, ridiculous coming into it. And mind you, they re-signed Cam for one year, $14 million. Good for Cam, because last year he was relegated to a veteran's minimum for with incentives that he wasn't going to obtain with the lack of talent there. But Billy Boy, he was spending because he got Trent Brown back from the Raiders, who they're doing some weird stuff too. You got Nelson Aguilar. Um, you talk about guys that were overpaid that should not have gotten it. And Nelson Aguilar is a fine wide receiver, but I don't think he's two years, 26 million for um, a, a probably guaranteed 13 million looking at his contract, considering the fact that he was dropping the ball a lot in Philly. 
I mean, he he was literally known for dropping the ball that when a guy was saving babies from a burning building, he mentioned Nelson Aguilar like we were catching him. Unlike Aguilar. Remember that? Y'all remember that? Yeah, I remember that one. Mm. uh, So it's a very high point because he had a pretty good year with the Raiders, but it's the Raiders. We talked about actually two seasons ago on a show, which is weird, but I'm playing it all back because I remember this stuff. John Gruden's offense when it comes to wide receivers, as back outdated when he was with the Bucks and the Rays the first time, it really is run the ball and focus on one singular wide receiver to get you there. Now he has the great Darren Waller. Darren, we love you. You were like my favorite fantasy football pick. I would, I would like buy your jersey and give it to one of my friend's children because I don't want kids, but I'll give it to your, their kids You know, as respect to you. But um, it was kind of like a focal point when Henry Ruggs was injured and then when Tyrell Williams was injured, all you had was Nelson Aguilar. So did he step up to the challenge? Yeah, I don't know. But it was still something there. But they also paid Matthew Judon huge amount of money for a guy who's 28 going on 29 as a linebacker, looking at a contract four years, 56 million, 32 million guaranteed. So all this coming into is the fact that like, they are hungry and they're at the buffet not realizing it's all they can eat till they're full. They're saying we have to clear house. And I find that interesting because you're seeing a team overspend and they need they, what they finished six and 10 or seven and nine last year. So maybe these are probably a good starting point. They're probably draft a wide receiver. And the only reason why they get a lot of hype is because they have been the biggest mover shakers, but you know, I want, I like this like arrogance a little bit from Bill, but it's not even arrogance. I feel it's like that whole like revenge mode. Cause Tom, went and got um, a Super Bowl ring without it. But how did Tom do it? Let us not play the fact that Tom Brady went to a piss-poor team. It's not as if he went to um, – I'm trying to think of the most terrible team that I can think of that Tom would feasibly go to. I'm trying to be fair with it. But it's not like he went to the Washington Redskins. I'm just going to throw this example. Even though they hmm. were a playoff contender, they went at like 7-9 and nine or 6-10. and 10. Um, He went to the Bucks, who were all other positions in play perfect and then he came in to make it better which goes back to the other argument i meant why like how about the nfl figure out the cap because we mentioned the chiefs the buccaneers have now been able to retain Shaq barrett who is four years 72 million dollars they're gonna they franchise tag chris godwin so they're able to make something come out of it then you know there might be more money in but they'll spread out that cap um they're able to get they're trying to get Dominican Sue back, which I think would kind of be a boon for him because even though he's 34, he's not done. They got Gronk back again at one year, $8 million. They got Levante David, who I like. He's like Mr. Buccaneer for a $25 million contract. So all these contracts that I'm reading, voidable years to help spread the cap figure. Someone explained to me this because I thought the whole purpose of the cap was to help balance it out. But now you're telling me when there's a salary crunch year that has dropped, Instead of letting teams suffer, because the whole incentive, remember about free agency, you guys, is depending on what tender you place them, you got picks for those positions, right? Exclusive franchise tag got you two first or first and third, something gets you a second tender. But the whole basis of additional things was that if you lost free agents, you get what? Compensatory picks. And they're not always like bad picks that you get. It's not like we lose John O. Smith, we lose Corey Davis, and Corey, go be great in New York. I don't think you'll handle the media. You almost broke a thousand yards. Who's going to throw the ball to you? I don't know because it's either Sam Darnold or presumably Zach Wilson. I don't know. Good luck because with wideouts, it's a bad market. Guess who hasn't been signed? Juju Smith-Schuster. So either he really wants to go back to Pittsburgh at the right money or no one's really entertaining 
the, the money that he wants. But bringing it back is that the whole base of the compensatory picks was to mitigate the damages. And Andrew, I know you're not as familiar with football, but I think you would agree with me in a seventh round drafts that you can get picks out of getting additional picks at three and four can get you quality blue chip stars. Francis, Absolutely. I agree with me on that one too. And us losing John New Smith, I'm not crying no tears on it. We can get a compensatory pick next year. We got one this year coming in. You can get a tight end because for what John New wanted to be isn't going to happen. Our offense, especially after Arthur Smith left, and unless we get Kyle Pitts who falls, and it's a possibility, especially if the uh, Eagles keep Zach Ertz, like Kyle Pitts might fall out from Florida. If he does fall down, I would say take him because we do need somebody to kind of catch the ball aside from A.J. Brown. But it's amazing how I think the intention of, okay, let a guy walk if you know you don't want it, or the whole purpose of the franchise tag. The franchise tag wasn't necessarily to keep a guy for a year. It was to like keep them here, let them work out of schedule. Not everybody went the route of Kirk Cousins, who got franchised twice and then bailed, right? Uh, but I, I'm just like so amazed because now if we're just creating voidable contracts, because you know who else got a very big voidable contract? Taysom Hill. Why? Drew Brees retired. Drew Brees is still eating a chunk of change. And they don't have it, right? Taysom Hill, even though he went 4-1 as a starter, was not really good, fellas. So instead what they did is they reworked his contract to be a four-year, $140 million contract with the three years voidable, and this year he's getting $16 million. What the hell is all this stuff? Because it really does kind of feel like the rich get richer, and especially for a season which is going to be hampered because of salary cap being lowered, I think everybody could agree, just let some dudes go and then try again next year, right? Unless the only theory I have is this, and I want all y'all's opinion on it because I have had this whole big thing of agency, but it's not done, so I don't want to attack it fully. Um is this are we taking these appropriations because we are so unsure of what scouting and college football and this draft is going to be because of the uh the virus and that's why we're trying to really make this work because that's like my little like, conspiracy oh uh, charles you sound very far away right now my headphone popped out oh okay second. i got too animated and it clocked out my hand but uh to reiterate my question in a very shorter form are we taking these attempts? Not because we really want to retain some of these guys or really have the money signs from people because some people just got to go. It's the way of life. Is it because we're so unsure of this draft because we have not really got to see the whole tale of the tape of certain players that we read do this weird ways? Discuss. Tell me. Hmm. Trying to th- I mean... And I'll, I'll look for this... you who you've got it. I know you got Jacoby Brissett, by the way, Francisco, because you let uh, Fitzmagic go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's he's off. He's off. Uh, where, where did he go this time? Where he uh, he's in Washington. So they give okay, yeah, idea. Washington. Uh, that's right. The the only big names is Brissett. Brissett and two are the same person. I'm just gonna say it now. One's a lefty, one's a righty. But the skill set is very similar. You got Isaiah Wilson from us. Go ahead, and then you got Bendarik McKenney from Houston because you got Rivershackelasa and all this other fun stuff. But Bendarik, ben, I can't say his name. Bendarik's really good. He was a pro bowler. But that's all I gotta say on those comments. And more to come, of course. I really can't comment, to be honest, on NFL free agency. Remember, guys, I am a very pessimistic Dolphins fan. And because of that, I don't really... Like, all this really doesn't matter to me. Because from... I can't really listen to Dolphins fans on Twitter because all of them are either so unreasonable that I I really can't get a gauge as to what's going on. Man, if I was was getting into the NFL... 
as like a newbie right now, I'd be, I'd be like, wow, this is really toxic compared to you know, back in the day when there was no social media. I'm not even sure. So I, I can't. What I would tell you is look at this as a positive route because the biggest weakness for the Dolphins last year, your defense was fine. It was just lack of a running back and then wide receivers. Wide receiver. So mm-hmm. this might give the hint that you guys are not going to F it up and go for more linemen in the draft or do anything else silly. You might actually pick up Jamar Chase or Devontae. Oh, we've got high draft and, picks. So I think the Dolphins, even if striking out here, they will utilize all those draft picks. I mean, the team is up and coming anyways. So it's it's all a development process still, and we still don't know if last year was just a product of lack of preseason, virus, all that stuff, or so maybe this season will be the real gauge as to what the team really is made of. But that's well, all I, I can say. say the comment, the comments on your team, essentially this. I think sometimes being the team that spends very little is the best move to make because you don't want to be the team like the like the Patriots who literally overspend because. Now you're going to a two. You have two tight ends who should be starting, and then you're just going to split them. All these people, and then you mount to just seven and nine. Don't be that team. So I, I think it's really good. And plus, we're both high on Matt Flores. We like what he's doing. Mm. Um, is it Brian Flores? Brian Flores. Flores I'm thinking of, but Brian Flores, I'm, I'm reading as I'm going to someone named Matthew, because I'm thinking Matt Judon, because that's who signed the Patriots. But I would say that it's very good to kind of be cheap in that regard and then know that you're going to build through the draft because what does the draft guarantee you that free agency does not cheaper contracts for longevity because unless you're just vets or just you know uh, bodies um it's going to be very rare to have a multi-year contract that's not going to hit you but in those second or third round and my dog sound in the background <laughs> as you're going to get that second or th- he's like yeah i agree with you charles if you're going to get those second or third round um, picks, they're only going to cost you like $3 million for four years, which is a great deal. And then you just kind of use them, abuse them, and then you you know either resign them to bigger contracts or you trade them out. But I think it's just interesting because part of my thing is like, are we just all doing this just to be cute? Because it feels like it. But only one team's really big spending. But it wouldn't be free agency in any sport if nobody overspent, right? Yeah. That's true. Then, the Dolphins have always been that team that kind of overspent or hit, at least signed a big splash for agent and then nothing comes of it. So, Maybe. And then the other way of how people look at free agency is how it affects their fantasy football, which is what I mentioned myself and Andrew doing. I'm retired officially, you know, but Andrew might come back because I know <laughs> he, he's got an axe to grind. But one of my coworkers in the group chat, he, he's addicted to it. He's kind of like Freddie has like 20 different um, leagues. Freddie's probably like, oh, my God, this person's going here. Gonna draft him. Um, same thing with Ross. Ross, you get a shout out for it, but um, it, it always kind of makes you think because as a as a fan, you're like, okay, this is fine. I want this guy. Like I'm very happy we got Bud Dupree because I know we were that bad. I think he's gonna probably disappoint, but that's the expectation. But if I was still doing fantasy football, depending where certain people go to, especially those one year one year contracts, I'm looking at you, Marlon Mack, and your prove it deal that you'll probably get to Miami because I think for some reason that makes sense. I kind of salivate at that idea. I'm retired, boys. I'm retired. I'm going like my Corleone Godfather 3 every time you know I'm out they bring me back in but I'm not going back in but sometimes I salivate those ideas where a person or team might get somebody and then what does that mean positionally for an NFL fantasy draft I wonder okay all right well I I, once again I can't I, I have no idea what the hell is going on to be honest I can't tell you 
All I know is... Uh, Dolphins fans aren't too happy at this moment. But maybe, uh, once again, maybe it's just the whole thing about the draft. So, But, you know, when will you be happy, though? Because you went to... I will be happy... When the because Dolphins you're, make the playoffs next kind of week. You're kind of next pessimistic because your cats are doing great. Oh, yeah. Well, that's and, the thing. But, now, look, I, I don't get – Dolphins were there. I avoid as much as possible, aside from getting a legit superstar that you know is going to work out for you, I try and avoid the hype for a lot of these, like, free agent things and stuff like that. And, like, only when, when something big goes down, like when you get a big three with the Miami Heat and stuff like that, when you know that's yeah th- that's going to work out. That's definitely going to work out. But aside from that, like, no. No, the, the, sheesh. The Marlins offseason was quiet. So, okay. The Panthers the Panthers did their thing. Getting rid of Mike Matheson was like the only thing that was on my wish list that I wanted to get done. And they did it. And the rest of it is just freaking the cherry on top, which is what's what happening right now. And they, Andrew, the heat kind of stayed with, put for the most part. How are you with any kind of free agency? Because I think with UCF, you're, you're a good hype man with them and everybody they recruit and stuff like that. Um, but you being a Lightnings fan, you being a Tampa Bay Rays fan, how are you when you go into a successful season into the free agency? Because I like to think of myself as um, pragmatic. I, I enjoy when the team actually addresses a weakness. God knows the Yankees didn't do that this year, not to shift gears, but we ain't got pitchers. We got boomer bust guys. We're going to see what Kluber and Italian going to do and all that stuff. But how are you as a fan when you go into the offseason? You know, what's your reaction to all that? Um, well, I'll be honest. I, I don't cut, I don't follow. I, I, I follow who is being acquired, but I don't really dive deep into who or like mm-hmm. who, who they are. Like, uh, Pat Maroon. I didn't know that he was a bruiser when he came in to Tampa this past season. Um, you know, I, I probably should get a bit more on that, but I have like just a the bare amount of knowledge of free agency and who's coming in. Um, I don't want to say that it doesn't interest me, but it's it's just something that I don't really follow. Um, you know, that being that being said, you know, if I see a big name comes in, I'm like, yay. Um, I pray uh, probably, or at, by virtue of being a mod on RCFB, pay more attention to the NFL draft just because I have to watch it to moderate it because we do a little bit of a discussion on it. Um, <laughs> we announce who is getting drafted. Oh, speaking of someone not wearing a visor, Jamie Ben. Uh, I'm watching the Lightning uh, Stars game right now. Oh, he's one of the old guard. That's why. Yep. He's one of the he's one of the last surviving few that doesn't wear a visor. That's that's sorry to uh, change directions there, but I, I just noticed that. Um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, I guess I follow free agencies, but don't. So I don't really have a good answer for you there. Mm. Yeah, for me, it's just. Like I said, I don't like to get overhyped for my teams going into certain seasons. Because I've been burned way too many times. Aside from the, like, yeah, this is definitely going to work out with, like, the Miami Heat. I don't. I mean, sheesh. It took until now for Bobrovsky to even be decent. So, 
just try and avoid the hype. You know, I'm, not everybody's a New York Yankees fan, Charles. You know, you guys get all the guys. Actually, we ride or die. Yeah, well, but they, they've been hurtful. Yeah, they've well, been hurting. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys got DJ Lemayhew's back and stuff like that. So you guys got Kluber. So that's we'll see. We'll see how things go Speaking down. Free agency, though, since we are discussing it, um, I will say, fuck you, Jacksonville. Ah, oh. ah. Oh. Well then, my ears. They spent. They they got your boy though. That's what pisses me off because I was overpaid for your boy. I was I was I was willing to forsake the team even though they were they're gonna get Trevor Lawrence, who is supposedly a once in a generation quarterback talent. I was willing to forsake them for that because they were fucking assholes for hiring Urban Meyer and whoever that Iowa strength coach was. I was. I would wash my hands of them, and now they go in and bring in the Griffin brothers. Like, oh, did, the are they getting Shaquem as well? Shaquem, but yes. Oh, okay. Because I, I knew they were getting Shaquille, and they signed him to three years, forty-four point five, with like thirty million guaranteed. It's not official yet, but Seattle is not tendering him an offer as an RFA, so he's going to be an unrestricted free agent and. The money is on him going. To yeah, big big cat country and SB Nation. Here's their tweet. They expect him to sign. Which again, I am super happy for Shaquille. He is getting paid and he deserves it. Um, Sha- Shaquille uh, Shaquem is gonna not get paid that much probably, but he's still gonna get paid. He's still in the league, which is awesome. I'm happy for the two of them. I'm especially happy. Since now they're going to be within driving distance, basically, of their hometown in St. Petersburg. So their parents can come. Their parents went to all their games in Seattle. But now it's going to be a lot easier on them to go to games. Um, I can go to their games now. Um, But, like, son of a bitch. Really? I think he did that just to spite you. Now I have to root for Jacksonville again? Watch them get... Wait, where's Jameis? Where'd Jameis go? He got one year, $12 million at uh, New Orleans still. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, that would have been funny too. Like, God damn it, Jacksonville. <laughs> uh, Every time you where's Blake Bortles? Where's he at? Oh, he's in LA. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, no, he's in Denver now. Okay, all right. But, like, uh, Lissai. This is really killing you. Do I, do I have to renege on... Mm, no, renege? you can Freddy's... cheer for the players. Okay, Freddie's got, got Bortles right as a free agent you. right now, so... So, Urban, someone's available to back up over there. I might start actually, so I don't know. <laughs> Depending on Trevor Lawrence, yeah, he's gonna back up. He's gonna back up. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Oh look at what ended with a with a retweet right now. Look at that. Three years later, and still loves the Saint Ignatius Wolfpack men's hockey uniforms. So they're good logos. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh... So, 
Oh man, but yeah, you could cheer for the players. You, you could, you can, you can, you could stay on the 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 Buccaneers bandwagon and still cheer for the individual success of these guys, right? I'm, I'm not happy with Jacksonville. <laughs> oh boy, I was, I was so close to not having to give a damn about them anymore, and now. I have to go crawling back in some way, shape, or form. No! Why? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. And and again, I... This is personal. This is on my personal thing. I am stoked that Shaquille is getting the money he deserves. He, He deserves to get paid. And, you know, outside of Miami or uh, Miami or Tampa, uh, and I don't know what their their secondary situations are, but uh, you know that's the the best fit for him, just for his family being close to home. Uh, I think Shaquille and Sha- Shaquille just got a home in the Tampa area. Um, it's like you know, it's 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 a perfect fit for him. Um, Jacksonville needs all the help they can get because they suck. Um, <laughs> they're getting they're getting Trevor Lawrence though, so that should be two good. months on the Buccaneers bandwagon. Look look what happens. Well, I've I've said for <laughs> oh no no everybody says that about the Jaguars even their own fans so don't worry. <laughs> they really do. Yes, they do. I mean, did you see I the? Willing, uh, secret... I was willing to live with the suckiness. Did did you see the secret base collapse video for them? Uh, not yet. Okay, you gotta watch that. They gotta collapse I, for I, them. I was willing to live with the suckiness. I've dealt with sucky teams before and have not jumped the bandwagon, or I have not jumped away from the team. Uh, I didn't jump away from the lightning when they were swept, uh, <laughs> and swept by the Blue Jackets. In twenty eight and twenty nineteen, uh, I didn't jump away from UCF when they went zero and twelve. What other teams? Uh, the Rays had a pretty down stretch there. For the the Rays are really hard to cheer for. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, am I mean, for God's gosh, darn it! What a what? Andrew's like the only loyal Rays fan I know. So yeah, and he's I, at simultaneously just. Just hates their so owner I, so much. That I do not let go of a team lightly. Yeah, but it's like it—it's the morals of it that I just couldn't stand. But now they have to bring back two of my two of my favorite players, and now I have to pay attention to them. Screw you, Urban Meyer. Screw you, Shad Khan. Let me go in peace, please. I beg you. That's how I feel about Tony Khan getting stinged at Russell. Hmm, that's a good segue. We're both getting double teamed by the Khans. That's a good segue. Because we are at the last few minutes of the show. You ready? I'm ready. Actually, it might be brief. We'll see. Welcome, everybody, your weekly Truplex the Cage with Charles. Reminder, wrestling is not fake. It is scripted. It is a stage fight. 
it is poetry emotion it, it is just bloody beat down sometimes it's about chasing glory making a name for yourself doing more than instead of wrestling in front of the bingo fans in the bingo hallways and just doing some backyard wrestling with your boys because you're bored and you want to imitate your favorite wrestlers and personas today's kind of a big day guys because take away the whole men and women chasing championships and being the holy hell of each other part of my usual disclaimer it's a uh, it's march 16th right what does that translate to 316. Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. It's Stone Cold Day. Allegedly. Apparently. I didn't know it was a real full holiday, but I know everybody kind of talks about it. So in March, you get excited for three things, right? You don't count spring break. We're out of school. It doesn't work for us. You get excited for um, Pi Day, 3.14, eat some pie. You get excited for St. Patty's Day, which is manana. Sounds kind of counterintuitive to say the Spanish language, but hey, I do what I can because I do what I want. Um... Of course, my HP support assistant says I need to restart now. Bad timing. Let's not do that. And then we get excited for a 316 day when I actually have my little segment on the show for wrestling to kind of talk about Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. So thoughts on Stone Cold. Yes. What? There you go. Thank you. And anybody who heard me say that that's part of his thing that was popular too going into it. But we love that breaking the glass. We love chugging the beer. And when you were a kid, 1997, right? 97 episode, 1997. That's when Stone Cold Steve Austin really came into effect because I believe he was king of the ring in 96 when he beat Jake the Snake Plumber. Let, let me take a moment to make sure that I'm right about this because Lord knows if I'm wrong, yeah, he won it. 1996. There you go. Hey, what was important about 1997? I think that's when he won his first um, WWF title in 1997 in WrestleMania 17. There's so many WrestleMania. It's a sports goose number 97. It's all coming together. It's not, it's not 17. That's when he went against The Rock and the hell. Yeah. Thing. But WrestleMania 1997. One <laughs> second. I gotta. I gotta verify because I think that was his first one against Shawn Michaels. If that, if not, it, it's all coming together on the 97th episode. Yeah, I know. No, it was Taker at Psycho Sid. Uh. Decent match, but it was... Oh, no, but it's the best Stone Cold Steve Austin match. Bret Hart, Steve Austin, doing the double turn. I knew I wrote it down in my well little notes coming into it. March 23rd, 1997. So this time... Somebody do the math for me, please. 20-something years ago. Um, Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, went at us in a submission match. Ken Shamrock was... Um, Special refereeing, for those who don't know, Ken Shamrock was kind of a big deal back then because he was the former back-in-the-day guy, kind of come in, Mr. MMA, translating into it. It ended in a double turn. Austin, in a puddle of his own blood, refuses to submit, passes out, creates that whole full battery. A year later, uh, went to the Royal Rumble, I believe, in January, and then goes on to defeat Shawn Michaels and WrestleMania 14 wins it and then has some pretty good runs there stone cold not my favorite wrestler but some things that are important about stone cold steve austin to charles one of my first wrestling figurines i was a seven or eight year old boy toys R Us for his birthday folks were like come on boy we're gonna go that's my parents love me they don't say boy i say boy more to my nephew than anything but we're in the car and I, I just got into wrestling and you know you always remember your first figures i would say your first action figures dolls whatever the hell you call them they're toys to me i don't, I don't have a name preference to them but you always kind of remember what you buy whether it's your first ninja turtle Raphael, space astronaut outfit that's how we know your first dragon ball z character i think i had the mini packs of the gokus you know you buy like the pack before it's goku krillin all that stuff power rangers blue red those are the best i remember going to the toys r us buying two wrestlers stone cold steve austin undertaker 
And man, that led to a lot of money spent, a lot of hours going through. And I would come home, do my homework, and play wrestling, especially on Monday nights, because Monday nights when wrestling was going on, you had the ratings war going on after that. You had WCW versus um, WWF, Monday Night Raw versus Nitro. Boy, I would do the crossovers of the two brands. I would have an, I, I loved it. It was great. Awesome, even though it's not my full-time favorite. One day I will give you guys the real list. I have to really think about it. There's important things I enjoyed match-wise. Him versus Brett and that submission match was great. Him versus Owen when Owen Hart broke his freaking neck. Not not that neck break of Owen Hart. He died because of that. that you know, we don't count that one. I'm talking about when Owen went for the sit-down pile driver and it broke Steve Austin's neck. And he went. That's right. Owen Hart died on public TV. Never forget that, kids, because some things are weird. That's why when Matt Hardy got attacked, or not got attacked, but when he was wiped out clean at AEW preview, that's why Charles was like, hey, stop the match, but they let it go on. I still have gripes with that seven months later. But um, he still continued that match with a badly roll-up on Owen Hart to win. Other highlights, I don't know if I liked his Shawn Michaels match at Mania, but it was cool. He had a little semi-feud with Mike Tyson. I liked his three stages of hell match with Triple H for the WF Championship. Him and The Rock have put on some bangers. Um, WrestleMania 17, WrestleMania 15. Also, other highlighted matches, I think he was great at him and Kurt Angle when he tapped out for Angle. That was good. He was also a little bit background on him. He was, um, he was what was he, stunning Steve Austin when he was going his transition of WCW to ECW. And then when he first came into WWF, when he went fully bald, he wasn't stone cold when he was bald. He was the ringmaster. Teddy Biasi is kind of like heir apparent. They even gave him the million dollar belt, kind of a big thing, but they had to see what worked well for him. Um, so he even adopted the million dollar dream, the Cobra clutch chokehold that he had. So he had like his historic career. He always kind of had it. Guy had um, great cardio in the ring. Uh, decent shape, could tell a story like a SOB, um, catchphrases galore. The detriment that he has done to wrestling, though, the unforgivableness of wrestling, he created and led to the what chant. I personally hate the what chant. There's any benefit what? of not having crowds? Exactly. Any crowds for the last year is that when anyone's cutting a promo, they have to be like, what? What? It was great when he was doing it. But Lord, let me tell you something. Fans are dicks. I'm just going to say it right now, myself included. I remember being live in person when people are trying to cut promos. You still people get it. Now, some heels are great. My favorite one, the only person I think, there's two of them. Alexa Bliss said, uh, because the crowd was going saying what, she goes, oh, uh, say what if you think Alexa Bliss is a great wrestler at all? And she was a heel at that time. My favorite one's always going to be The Undertaker, though, because you don't mess with Taker, in my opinion. Taker is like, gold if roberto clemente and wayne gretzky gordy howe they're all attributed to the respected sports hockey and um baseball and all this other stuff uh hank aaron guys that we've talked about past that we were very let's haul y'all takers up there that you you don't try trash talk they were doing the what to him i don't think uh awesome was obviously there but this is the benefit of what he has done and how he's kind of like stuck into the fans even all this time and he's saying what? And Taker goes, let me tell you something. Say what if you sleep with your sister? And people were saying what? And it's like, ooh, got him. <laughs> um, that's always going to be my favorite thing. But Austin and Taker had some good matches coming into it. He was always kind of like a focal point. He has a great career. Like I said, not my favorite wrestler, but since we're here on 316 Day, I'm going to give some love to it. I'm going to give him like, you know, some cold high five. He comes in, stuns people. I think he stunned Donald Trump. But he was also known for... 
possibly one of the best storylines out there. Because if you talk about Attitude Era, it was him versus Vince McMahon, plain and simple. He was basically going against the authority, going against the big man. Vince McMahon is egomania. The problem is the other detriment is because I would feel that it was so successful. This is why Vince would have to intrude himself or his children have to intrude themselves on my television. Because I'll tell you now, I don't like the McMahons on my TV show, guys. And this is where we're segueing into wrestling, uh, to real life wrestling. But I'm going to say this now, Stone Cold, happy 316 day. Um, I don't really drink beer because it's not my thing, but whatever you drink, I'll crack open. Now he does wine, I think. Or no, he has his own little IPA. He has other shows like Stone Cold Island or something like that and um, Stone Talk and all these podcasts. His podcasts are great, though. I, I like his podcast when he has other wrestlers there because it really kind of talked to him. And I, I like learning the nature of the business um, from what they come from his perspective. So here's you, Steve Austin. I'll crack open a cold one for you. Wrestling. We mentioned the McMahons. WrestleMania season's coming up. I don't care, guys. Like, I care, but I don't care. It's in Tampa. It's going to be split into two nights, Saturday and Sunday. And in that week is also going to be NXT TakeOver. And they're going to get a two-night event. This is so much wrestling that I don't think you guys understand the burden that I am carrying. But for you, I will do it. But my my problem with WrestleMania, we have a pay-per-view this week. And this is kind of the problem with it. This pay-per-view is going to have a McMahon on there. Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman. No one wanted the story. No one asked for the story. The whole basis of it is Shane likes being a bully to a seven-foot monster who just should eat him alive. And we know it's going to continue because Shane needs to have that yearly McMahon match. He didn't have it last year. He's got to have it this year. I don't want it. I don't want it. I want, now that I'm getting, I feel like a baby baller. But now that I'm getting wrestling, uh, two-night event, and you've actually had a year to kind of plan it, to split the this split the event as opposed to last year, which you just like we're gonna do it for the fans, but now we're gonna do some stuff. You have real storyline feuds. Like each match, there should be no squash matches, boys. Nothing should be under 15 minutes. I know my standards, but this is this is where I'm going at, right? But Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman is not what I want. They're gonna wrestle at Fastlane this weekend. The Fastlane card is not even complete. This is kind of like my problem with it. Vince has gotten sloppy because really what he cares about his logic sound. But what does he care about? He cares about the idea about the ratings to appease, obviously, Fox and USA. And he says the people who are going to watch are going to watch regardless. But what's the thing about Fastlane that kind of matters? It's Peacock's first launch. Because remember those billion-dollar bucks? You know, you guys are worried about them stimulus checks. Vince McMahon's got real FU money going on here. Um, basically, for those who need the summary, WWE Network sold for a billion dollars. Licensing rights, they get it back, revert it to him. Vince is a genius of the business match, seriously. Um, this pandemic has been fantastic for him. But it's going to appear a fast lane. I don't care about the card. I really don't. We're not even getting Bobby Lashley wrestling, you guys. Because on Monday Night Raw, for some reason, Drew McIntyre just beats up Miz and just goes to Bobby's like, yeah. And Bobby's like, sure. I'm like, come on, do something. You could at least put Miz versus Drew McIntyre in a number one contenders match. We all know Fastlane is a throwaway pay-per-view, but you got to give me a reason to watch it. You got to give me something to watch it. Even if you only make it like a two-hour pay-per-view, you got to make it matter. You got to make, like, Drew can't just point at Bobby and be like, I'm taking that title. You lost your title. Why are you getting another opportunity? If you win a number one contenders match, then that makes sense sloppy storytelling but not the sloppiest the matches on the card biggie versus apollo cruz uh i haven't talked about this and i'll keep it very brief basically apollo turned heel he basically adapted his nigerian heritage 
which concerns me because I think Vince sometimes loves stereotypes a little bit too much. Because if you ever spoke, heard Apollo Crews talk before, he does not like sound like he's from Nigeria. And so now they gave him an accent. So I just expect Vince and all his cultural denseness um, to just have like Apollo scream out Wakanda forever. And I'm like, come on, Vince, don't do this. Because Vince has that history, man. You had crime time, nation of domination, and Apollo is a talent. And this heel turn has been great for him, especially if he wins the Intercontinental Championship from Big E. But I don't want it at the expense I has to adopt an accent now. Ugh, am I the only one who feels like it's just bad for business? I don't know. Heel Apollo is good for business. But the minute you put on the Nigerian accent, I'm like, oh, buddy. And that was his thing in the Indies when he was Uha Nation. And I get that. But I don't even think he would cut promos in a different accent. So someone creative just can be like, oh, let me be proud of his heritage. Why does he have to adapt accent? That's the same thing to me, who is Argentine, Colombian. And I'm just like, well, and you hear me speak like, you know, whatever the equivalent might that be. It's not who I am, but I have to create and tap into my identity. I don't get it. Um, whatever. It's just one of those things I've always had a gripe with Vince about because it feels like the desperate play, but that's one of the matches going into it. I like this tweet right here. The real acting were those guards behind Apollo Crews not laughing because of his botched accent. Yeah, it was tough. Like, when we get off the show, go listen to how Apollo Crews usually talks. He's a nice guy, but he does not, he, he's not even... It sounds like the... What well, I would have... Eddie Murphy and Coming to America? Is it like that? Correct? Yeah. Oh, boy. Like, my father used to say... My grandfather used to say... It doesn't work. And let me give you an insight because this ain't the only one. We love Kofi Kingston. You guys were with me with Kofi Mania. Mm -hmm. Kofi, when he first came to the WWE, was built from being Jamaica. So what did Kofi have? A fake Jamaican accent. That's the... Kofi's from Boston, man. Like, he's got heritage. We all have heritage. But that ain't who they are. And unless that's part of the gimmick that they choose to, don't assign it to them. Because I still remember... And when we talk about cultural... and. Some people will say Charles is not cultural insensitivity. I think it's just Vince being a fan of stereotyping because what do we remember? And I talked about it many, many cages ago. We're bringing it all back together. The Mexicools, super crazy, um, Juventu Guerrera, and then Psychosis coming down trackers. Don't buy into this for Vince. Make him earn it. Fastlane, uh, big money match though. Y'all yeah, know I'm going to watch it for Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan, especially if Edge is going to be a special enforcer. He's having his first match in 10 years on SmackDown against Jey Uso because Jey Uso is a rabid dog, always trying to appease Roman. And I think there's going to be some chicanery because I don't know for sure. But I believe, boys, I believe that they are going to put Daniel Bryan in a triple threat match at Mania. It's not just going to be Edge and Roman. And I'm okay with it if Edge isn't ready to fully carry that match himself. Because I think the story will be great leading to the pay-per-view, but does Edge still have the chutzpah yet? You know, he's still a little rusty. And I noticed that when he was wrestling Randy Orton on that wrong. But hey, wrestling is so far away. Shout out on the correct usage of Yiddish right there. Very well done. I don't even know what I said. I feel like my wrestling ancestors just invaded me. So um, Didn't you say chutzpah? Yeah, I did say chutzpah. That's so, Yiddish. Uh, oh, I know it's Yiddish. I just did. I don't know what I say sometimes. I, I get into this, guys, and it's like um, this is ultra. <laughs> so for those, for my weebs out there, because I've been watching a lot of anime, this is ultra instinct, Charles. You know, I, I am at that level where I just see everything. I'm too quick for you. Um, but moving away from WrestleMania, Fastlane's coming up. I'll watch it for you, for you guys, because it's an obligation. Um, 
NXT was so good last week. I told you guys about Tuesday, why I hate sometimes doing the show on a Tuesday when NXT is on Wednesday and I have to remember everything, but I made sure to write some notes. I made sure to write some notes on it, mental notes, because what did I tell you guys about um, NXT last week? There was going to be two title opportunities, two title shots, Io Shirai versus um, Tony Storm for the women's NXT title. That was good. Ended with Tony Storm tapping out to a crossface. There was some controversy going around because they were like, oh, we advertised for two, but it's be three. Because what do we know? We mentioned a couple of shows ago, they had the Dusty Rhodes Classic tag teams for the women's and the men's. Whoever won got a tag team title opportunity. Well, we know from the prior week, two weeks ago, um, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending against Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai, and it ended up in some weird controversy. So what did NXT do for the women's tag team? They announced last week that they were introducing their own NXT Women Tag Team Championships and they awarded them to whom? Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. And then they lost those titles 45 minutes later. Weird ass booking, H. I get the idea that your whole thing is about, hey, the women's division is strong and our tag division is strong compared to the main roster's tag division, which is inconsistent, bad booking. And I completely 100% agree with you. But all you could have done was just have um Raquel and Dakota or even Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart shout out congratulations ladies you are now the second NXT championships or women tag team championships those belts are looking great um but I don't think the first thing you had to do is award a title somebody you could have just made the Dusty Rhodes classic about becoming the first ever women's tag team championship but now you awarded to them on a weird pinfall from a couple weeks ago or submission and then they lose it 45 minutes later to Ember and Shotzi what the hell Seems like the, the meme from South Park, and it's gone. Yeah, and it's gone. And then, you know, the other meme from South Park is H and Vince rubbing their nipples. So we're sorry, because I just have to take it. That's essentially what it is. I just have to deal with it. But part of the problem is that there's too many titles right now. And I still feel that the roster's not at full capacity because of the pandemic and also the firing certain people to consider like personally, I, I don't want WrestleMania for the men's tag team. I wish it's a unification bout. I want the Dirty Dogs of uh, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler versus um, the New Day, who just won it. But now they might lose AJ and almost. But that WrestleMania match has already been announced. But I'll get more of that in detail. I don't want to go too far ahead. But that's the point. Too many titles. It's like, nah, it doesn't mean much. Do I think the women in NXT deserve a tag title? Yeah. But the problem is, is the women's main roster, Big Raw and SmackDown, already have NXT, or not NXT, but women's tag team titles. So we really could just could have had the NXT women win it keep it and then eventually lose it whatever but uh the main event whew, whew, boys mm, it was so good we had talked about it finn balor adam cole par three nxt championship some small recaps basically adam ruined everything he broke up the undisputed era just to get finn's nxt title match was so good and i hate tv matches for championships sometimes fellas because commercial breaks and picture and picture i hate picture and picture some people love it i hate it because part of the quality of a picture and picture takes away from one aside from me seeing the action i don't hear the announcers fully right you don't get all of it so you lose some of that emotion imagine when the crowd comes in doesn't work and i was never a fan of it but that match was just so good like had me thinking that adam cole was gonna win it if adam won i have a little bit of a chub because am i does that mean am i getting adam and kyle for the nxt title they're going back and forth Kyle comes out looking at Adam. Adam's getting spooked. Finn jumps over, does his moonsault over the top, um, or does his little senton over the top dive. 
does the 1916 hanging DDT on the outside and then just finishes Adam off. I'm like, ooh, and then Kyle comes in and I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it because what is wrestling, boys? It's a soap opera sometimes. And he's like, oh, I didn't mean to. And he tries to low blow Kyle. Kyle blocks it, beats the holy hell out of Adam, or tries to suplex him on the steel ramps because that's what he did a couple weeks ago to Kyle to knock Kyle out. Rest break it up. Kyle chases Adam and has Finn sitting there. Who is right behind Finn? Bros. Carrying Cross, the man who never lost the title because he beat Keith Lee, I believe, back in August, and then had his shoulder separated and had to vacate the title. But who won it? Finn Balor. He's coming for that belt. And I, I was ready, man. It was so good. Because I called all that stuff sitting there, watching it, and seeing it happen. And all Finn does, Finn, who's like 5'10 on a good day, a buck 85. That's the thing about wrestling. They'll lie about their weight. Like Finn probably only weighs like 15 pounds more than me. Um, and then you get Karen Cross. That man scares me. He's like 6'3, 280 on a good day. And he just got his arms crossed. And Finn just looks up, like, what took you so long? And I'm like, boner time, boys. That's what it is. Because that's going to be what takeover. Takeover is going to be that week. The same week as WrestleMania, Stand and Deliver. I kind of like the name. I kind of hate the name because I like Stand and Deliver. It's a great movie. You guys should watch that's it. That's what I was and thinking when I was like, I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah Lou Diamond Phillips, Edward James almost, you know. How can story, I teach these kids? Video. How can I teach these kids? <laughs> so, you know, I feel like that's going to be Triple H because Triple H, the, look, you're going big balls because, you know, let's talk about Stand and Deliver and making a comparison. You're going to Vince McMahon. It's like, how can I teach this old man what real wrestling is like? I'm about that. I'm about it. I'm loving it. AEW tomorrow's St. Patty's. They're doing their whole St. Patty's. Um, genre going on a couple matches that go on there that i'll watch and this is hard because nxt thankfully cooled off last week for me so i can watch this because some good matches eddie kingston dean amber not dean Ambrose, john moxley he'll beat me up if i say that is going to go against the good brothers get some revenge there after the AEW dud that they did at revolution um they're gonna have oh no please don't tell me my brain has something oh no they're gonna have um cody rose versus el pento zero zero m they don't go miedo they say zero m he used to be El Pento, El Pento, whatever his name was. They changed his name like three times, and I can't get into it. I can barely speak English, so now I have to try to give authenticity to the name for Spanish. Why are you doing this to me? That should be a good match. I think Cody's also going to be out for a little bit because his wife, Brandy, is actually pregnant. So typically what you do in normal wrestling storyline, hurt the daddy, have him be gone for a couple of weeks, go be there for the birth of your child. I don't know what she's due, so I'm just speculating. And then the main event's going to be Dr. Britt Baker, Adam Cole's girlfriend. Look at that, connected to worlds, right? Versus Thunder Rosa in a Lights Out, non-sanctioned match. These two have been feuding for a while. Should be interesting. NXT, I don't even know what's going on tomorrow, to be honest with you. And then New Japan, just give you an update. The King, Minoru Suzuki, lost to Kenta. Fine. You guys know I like the King. I like Kenta too, but I like me some Minoru. But Shino Tagagi versus Kenta. Please, sir. Like, it is finger looking good. Because, you know, Shingo is my choice for winning the J Cup, uh, uh, the Japan Cup. It might lead to Shingo versus Jay White. And, you know, he's been dumbing as the J Cup coming into it. And that should be a great match. But this, the whole purpose of winning the Japan Cup will get them April 4th, a title shot against Kota Ibushi for his now unified IWGP. Is it IWGP or is it IGWP? I can never remember. I think it's IWGT. Yeah, International Wrestling Grand Prix. Unified Heavyweight Championship. You see, I brought it all together, boys. And if it's Shingo, Shingo's not going to win. I'm just say that right now. But Shingo versus Kota, I can't say I've seen a lot of those matches. And what I've been doing for you guys is sending you some uh, New Japan stuff to see, like some of the stiffening and some of the promos and some of the intensity. Boy, that should be a good match. 
people can bust their necks, but I'm excited, but we don't know yet. Cause first we gotta go to Shiro and Kenta and we'll see what happens. And that's it on this very, oh yeah. Andrade wants to get released. Vince doesn't want to do it, which means he's going to give Andrade like a fake title to appease him. And then Andrade will leave when the contract's up. Um, that's usually the process, but yeah, you know, happy 316 day kids. It's more important than St. Patty's Day and Pi Day. And that's all I got for you this week on the cage. Give me a hell. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you. Somebody did. Francisco's like, what is going on in this wrestling? <laughs> you know, listen, if I will tell you this, for even non-casuals, non-fans, for anybody who never thought, your grandmother, who would probably think it's a sin to say hell knows who Stone Cold is and what his importance is in wrestling. That is transcendence right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for the, the reason I knew it was this day was because of ESPN's. Their Twitter account was what tweeted it out, so... There you go. There you go. It's mainstream. All right. So that is it for Sports Goose number 97. Man, we are almost there. So we have about three more episodes to go in this season. A big finale for the 100th one. Andrew will probably try and wrangle somebody up in the next couple weeks as well. See what he can do. Get down on there. Get. Doug's gonna be on the show, right? Yeah, well, that's for the that's that's the special special guest for for the last one. But I'm talking about the, we still got 98 and 99 as well. True. So you know, get get that rope, get that get that lie, get get that back of the trunk nice and clean, Andrew, and you just kind of stick them in there and then force them on down over to to our show, right? Do what you got to do. Basically. All right. You we know you have the means. I get you got those rubber gloves and everything. He knows how to clean up the crime scene. <laughs> all right so man are wait i have to develop like a show canon because right now andrew is andrew's a, a a violent criminal charles like gives uh cold jobs and henry handy so his favorite players gives him kisses on the lips i'm already i'm, I'm, a, I'm a daddy that's why right? that, that, yeah call me? yeah yeah, Danny, I mean, true. So yeah. side note, that was like a joke wrestling name. If I was a manager, so I'll live to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, the only person I really gush and crush on is Jimmy Butler, and I'm already Derek Jeter. Yeah, well, no, I worship Derek Jeter as our Lord and Savior. That is a religion. Okay, yeah, I am. I am a religious zealot for Derek Jeter. So there you so, go, guys. Can I call you? Can I call you a fan of the man? And <laughs> then you could just insert whatever man it is. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh, Jimmy Butler is. Well, Jimmy Butler's my man crush Monday, every Monday. Listen, he, he, he shout out, he shout out, you know, four straight runs, right? Hmm. 20 and 18. Mm-hmm. Number four in the uh, East. Yeah. Starting to look like a competent team. Yeah. Are well. we saying that the 76ers are not frauds, but frauds yet? Can I? Uh, well, you, don't worry. Don't worry. I'd love to get Doug's take on that in 100 episodes. All right. Let's, let's wrap it up, guys. Have a. Have a good night, everybody. Watch, comment, like, subscribe, whatever you have to do. Follow us. Uh, Charles usually does this. Follow us on, on the tweets, FGOGR, Dan Frijoles, Charles the True, or at sports underscore goofs. You know, we got a website, we got a podcast, we got a video streaming channel. We got everything. If you can't find us, we will find you. Bye-bye, everybody. Ciao. Good night, everyone. Take care. Thank you.